Welcome to the Mostly Pod Out of Night. Mostly. I am Graver, joined by my co-host, Salem. Hello. This is episode 48 of our weekly All Things Horror podcast. I'm your boogeyman. That's what I am. Are we with it? Is Stephen really the king? Join us as we go into our first author spotlight as we get into the It remakes and Stephen King's newest adaptation of The Boogeyman. And warning, spoilers ahead uh, for anyone who hasn't seen this movie. Uh, it's been out for what? Two weeks? Three weeks? The time of recording? I mean, it's, it's, it hasn't been, around, hasn't been out for that yeah. long. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, our, this is our first author spotlight. I'm, I'm excited that we can do stuff like this. And I, clearly, you know, there's the dollar baby program with Stephen King, where we can get into all his movies that have been made. Um, and I think we should do a director and author spotlight with Stephen King for ones that he directed as well as, you know, his short stories and stories. Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so let's let's get into this. It, you know, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, The Boogeyman um, is based off of his short story that is literally 12 pages long. Um, and we'll get into that story uh, a little bit when we discuss the movie as well and kind of just go into the plot differences from the story into stuff like that because obviously 12 pages is not a lot to go off of when you make a horror movie as we discussed with like HP Lovecraft and Edgar Allan Poe early on in this podcast days. Very early. Yeah. Like first or second episode. Right. Um, So yeah, we'll start off with it. You know, we did pick out kind of the newest, newest, or I guess um, things, but these are about creatures in the dark. Uh, we will get to Pet Cemetery and the Firestarter remake at some point in time, which is involved heavy drinking because those are awful. Yeah, well, okay, <laughs> we can even it out. We can have the original, then the remake for both of them. Yes. So it'll it'll be half and half. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do that. Um, so we'll start off with it. Um, and at that time, you know, they're like, you know, it's, we don't call it it chapter one. Cause that's not its title. We didn't get chapter one until the, you know, end credits essentially. Um, and yeah, this is, it starts off. And why I think they did interesting with these movies, as opposed to the TV series from 1990 is they really split off the kids vert section and the adult section. Um, as opposed to having it inter- interspersed with everything, as I said, as they did with the miniseries. Uh, yeah, and we kind of start off the movie with uh, good old Georgie, right? <laughs> um, Bill, it's, it's pretty rainy out. Um, his older brother, Bill, who is, I'd, I'd say, the main character of these. Yeah, yeah, the ring, the ring leader, where he ends yeah. up being, yeah, yeah. So, um, he's making a, a paper boat, and he immediately puts like sealer on there, or glue. He goes, okay, it's good to go. Wax. He puts wax, wax, which I think would still be not enough time to go float your boat down <laughs> the street rivers. Um, uh, but Georgie in his iconic yellow rain jacket his 
slicker, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, and, you know, in Derry, Maine, which has the world's largest sewer openings. Well, it's, that's, yeah, built for yeah. a reason. Right. Um, and this does take place summer, or, you know, early spring and summer of 1989. Now, see, uh, I, I have a problem with this. And what's that? I was still alive. Okay, so like they're talking like this is ancient times. This is thirty years ago, and it's like, man, I was a kid. <laughs> time. I remember nineteen eighty nine. Like this is that sucks. <laughs> like I, I mean, mean, I was I was very close in age to these kids in nineteen eighty nine. I think in nineteen eighty nine, I was like eleven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was closer to what Georgie's age, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wasn't because they're, they're like middle school. They're like thirteen ish, yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I was like eleven, so I'm close, but not quite. Right, and I what the the original book came out what eighty five, eighty six. Yeah, the original book, the kids like the 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 flashbacks <laughs> were in the fifties. Right, right, and in the TV series because that took place in nineteen ninety, so it was nineteen sixty three, which is still, uh. Uh, problematic time whether it's the book or the original series um now they just kind of portrayed dairy as a uh, say hick town almost i don't know it's got like it's got a lot of infrastructure i mean yeah it seems that yeah it's like uh yeah it's like a small town but like you know a small town a well-to-do small town with a lot of infrastructure but they also have the other side of the train tracks areas. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, um, we are introduced to, you know, Georgie's floating his, his boat down the water. It gets into the sewer drain. And then we get Pennywise the Clown. And I just got to say, you know, I'm not saying Tim Curry did an awful job. I think Tim Curry did a fantastic job. I think Skarsgård did a better job. Not, yeah, I mean, I think I think he did too. I mean, obviously, he like he like won awards for the performance. I mean, not not no no prestigious awards, but yeah, Bill Skarsgård is, uh, I mean, kind of like widely regarded as being like great in this yes. role. I, I think like everybody says he was pretty much like the standout of this movie. Yeah, um, and you know, there's there's tons of breakdown videos stuff like that that you know, usually Pennywise has yellow eyes, but Georgie has. Blue, and you kind of see that change in Pennywise's eyes to help match Georgie's to make him seem more inviting with the clown in the sewer. Right. And, the, you know, the whole, like, you know, the one eye looking in the other direction type thing. That's practical because um, he could do that. Yeah, I was going to say, he can actually do that. Yes. <laughs> but they don't even need to do a CGI. He, do, he just does it. Yeah, I mean, he, he has a naturally big forehead as well, and they just kind of accentuated his looks. Yeah. Um, which, which was amazing that it worked as well as it did. You know, it, it's, you know, let's face it, Stephen King adaptations have been notoriously bad for a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, I mean, a Tim, the Tim Curry version was great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Tim Curry was talked about as being great in, in his role as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if you compare the two, I mean, I guess it's, you know, you say the ones, I think Bill Skarsgård is a bit darker, but I think the tone of 
the movies is a bit darker because it goes closer to the book and the book is pretty dark. Right. And I think I well, I think the problem was, especially the with the, the TV series, it was a, it was a TV series. Right. right? Yeah, so like a hard R. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there was no like swearing. You can't get too like graphic or bloody. So I think Tim Curry did great for what limitations he had. And yes. I think that, you know, this is kind of just like you know, Pennywise unleashed. And I think Bill Skarsgård did a great job. Yes. It's almost like comparison, you know, the Jokers with with uh, uh, Jack Nicholson versus um, I can't think of his name. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. One's very much darker. One's more comical. Right. <laughs> but yeah, but in the constraints of their own films, they both did great. Yes. Yeah. Just Absolutely. different different tones to the film. So that's all. Right. Um, so yeah, and, and as big difference as opposed to Georgie just disappearing, uh, his Pennywise's mouth then does come unhinged. We see like sharks, sharks rows of teeth, and he promptly bites off half of Georgie's arm, and Georgie bleeds to death and gets pulled into the sewer. And kind for of the that. end for the, for Georgie, right? Well, yeah, but yeah, I mean to see a kid like flapping an arm stump around, spewing <laughs> blood everywhere is is you know like okay, this is a bit darker than than the it you've seen before. Yes, that that really set the tone, really set the tone for this movie, and just a fantastic opening scene to do it too. Um, but anyway, it, it's been a few months later, uh. And you know, then we meet we meet up with the the kind of losers club, um, really just more of Bill, Richie, Eddie, and and Stan. Um, everyone else isn't part of the losers club at this point in time. This is kind of the core group of friends, the Stranger Things group of friends, if you will, before Eleven joins them and other people. Um, kind of just getting bullied because uh, they are, I wouldn't say different, but. The 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 mullet mullet kid uh, Henry Bowers uh, is, is kind of torturing them, and they kind of also you know discuss that. Um, I think we're introduced to Bill, who's trying to figure out like the sewer system of of dairy, and because they never found Georgie's body, and his dad gets really mad because he's like, "Oh, well, if there was a big wash and he got swept into the sewer system." Based on the this the schematics and this essentially mock dairy sewer system, this is where the body would turn up. And so he's trying to convince his friends, like, okay, based on this information, I think we should go here and I start think, looking for it. Yeah, the also the funny part of this is is like it's kind of a big scene where like the dad is like very upset, like you know, like don't let your mother see this. Like, next time you're going to steal something from my office, you know, just ask me, blah, 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 blah. Exits the movie and never comes back. Correct. <laughs> like, never, ever gets mentioned again <laughs> at all. I mean, he's gone from both movies. So he has, like, this big scene where he gets, like, you know, Bill gets in trouble and then just gone. <laughs> yes. Never, never, ever to be mentioned again. Correct. Um. Yeah, and then we are introduced then to, like I said, it's... You know, uh, Bill's Bill has a stutter. Richie is the mouth, right? He's the, he tries to be the class clown, and it it really comes off as annoying with Finn Wolfhard playing that. 
I, you know, actually, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Finn Wolfhard, to be honest, but I think he does a good job in this role. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's no he, Seth Green. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he did uh, a good job in that role. Yeah. I think, I think he played it exactly the way he should have played it. Yes. Well, um, the, the newer version of him, like, I mean, the book version of him was more of for like, he tried to do like goofy voices and impersonations. Yeah, um, I think this version of him is a little bit better. Yeah, he's still the mouth, though. He's still the class yes. clown. Yes, definitely. Um, Eddie is, his mom's turned him into a hypochondriac, saying he's all these diseases. He's kind of afraid of everything. She really seems like the type of person that would be poisoning him to keep well, him sick. Munchausen <laughs> by proxy is what they call it. That's that's the term I was thinking about when I was watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's Munchausen he, by proxy is where the 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 parent like convinces the child that the things are wrong with them and they keep like medicating them and doing medical things to them to fix right. things that are not broken. Um, and then Stan, who just happens to be Jewish, like that's his trait. And that's right. really weird. Yeah. That's his <laughs> thing. He's Jewish. But, but I mean, Richie is also Jewish, yes. but apparently Richie is not as Jewish as Stan. He's just the well, Jewish kid. Well, Stan just happens to be the son of, the rabbi so right, i mean right. he he has to follow that so that makes more sense um we are introduced to then ben who is at this movie the fat kid um yep. that's his that's his thing he's, he's also the new kid as well who happens to like new kids on the block that's kind of a, just a running joke um we are introduced to uh beverly who has the has the rumor of being the most promiscuous girl in the town, even though she's only kissed a boy, um, really abused by her dad, uh, even argue sexually abused because it's never outright stated, but very much implied. Um, uh, it's 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 weird. It's a weird way that they they show it. The movie definitely implies that something weird is going on. Yes. The book specifically says that it is not, but it says that he beats her because he wants to. That is what he says in the book. Yeah. <laughs> so it is the weird tension is still there, but in the book he says he never actually, you know, I guess molested her, but he beat the crap out of her because he was tempted to. And he thought that she was like the temptress tempting him to do so. Um, where in the movie, it is not outright said, and it is very creepy. Like, Implied. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's. I think it's are worse still, in the movie. Honestly, are you still my little girl? I'm like, eh. right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. What does that mean, man? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Um, and then and then Mike, who um. His parents died in a fire. He is the only, really the only African-American in the town. Well, yeah, that's uh, his grandpa who has like 18 and that's it. Right. Um, who is, you know, the bounty hunter of Jason Voorhees. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that, you know, eventually they are the losers club. Um, they all and have I'm, parents I'm, that are weird. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to. Okay, spoiler alert. This is one of the things I don't like <laughs> about this movie is that they reversed the roles of Mike and Ben. Yes. And I I don't understand why. Because that was like Mike's whole 
thing. Like in the, in the we're going to flash forward a little bit. Mike's role in the second movie is he stays behind and he's the town librarian because he likes the history, right? Right. So in the first movie, Ben is the one that likes the history. Yes. Mike and Ben, you know, they switched places. But anyway, like Mike was, that was his whole thing was he would come back with stories from his parents. And that's how they learned about like the, you know, the ironwork explosion and the black splat fire and all that kind of stuff was like stories from Mike. And Mike was always the one in the library learning all about dairy's history and all that. Yeah. And for some reason they switched it with Ben which is fine for the first movie, right? That doesn't really, it doesn't really make a difference for the first movie. Um, right. But it does make a difference for the second movie. And it's just odd. I don't understand what they were like, why they would make the change in the first and then just like switch back in the second. <laughs> like if they, if they would have kept that change in place, mm-hmm. you know, in the second movie, that would have been fine, but they didn't. Right. So it switched yeah. it back. So it's like, okay, so the one kid that was interested in history just stopped being interested in history. And then the other kid that had no interest in history and was like going to continue on his family farm, ditched the family farm and became a historian and a librarian. I don't, I don't understand what happened. It doesn't make any sense. Right. And then they like shoehorned this. I, I know I'm jumping ahead to the second one, but they, they, they shoehorn in this like, oh, Ben likes to build things in the second one that was never mentioned in the first one at all. I mean, he had his his uh, diorama that Bev actually knocks into. Well, yeah, but that was just as, to show his love of history, because that was that was the diorama of like yeah. the dairy, whatever landmark, whatever the hell. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. I, I and, don't know. I don't get. It. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead quite yeah. a bit, but yeah, it's just annoying. Yeah, but yeah, and we're going off of that is when you know the you know Ben is uh, being chased and got caught up by Henry, who calls him tits, and starts carving his name into Ben. Right, starting that's with I mean, the H. A hell of a bully, right there. I mean, usually Very much so. Usually this fuck with you. But he's like carving his name with a knife. That's, I mean, yeah, we've gone beyond the pale here. Yes. Um, they also bully Mike saying, get out of your town, which surprisingly. Yeah, very nicely, considering what you yeah, know they want yes. to say. Yes. It's very heavily implied. Right. And I'm, I'm quite honest, surprised they didn't. I don't think it's needed, but I'm just. To show how much of a dick this guy and psychopath this guy really is. Oh, yeah, I think. Well, I think yeah. They had like you know <laughs> their their one African American character. They were like, let's not push it that far. Let's just let's leave it at implied. Right. I'm pretty sure it's explicitly stated in the book. Unfortunately, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, they yeah he's getting carved up. Uh, he rolls down the hill a lot, like absurd amount getting away from Bowers and the gang who even goes okay this is absurd we really shouldn't be doing this like can we stop him no because he's that guy um they chase after him Bowers loses his knife which does come into you know play later and you realize that you know his he's afraid that his dad's gonna find out that he lost it which you go okay you know he's clearly abused at home and this is why he is the way he is. Right. I mean, well, you kind of figured that when he's like, you know, beating the crap out of multiple children and then, <laughs> right. and then carving his name in someone's ch- like, okay, this kid is has a messed up life. 
Yeah, and he he can drive, so he's probably what two or three years older than them. Well, he doesn't actually drive. The other guys drive. Okay, but he's still older. Not much. Yeah, just no, a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, right. Um. So yeah. So you know, uh, Ben happens to flee um to the point where uh they were at the sewer and they're like hey we found the shoe of this missing girl and ben's kind of with them and like oh you know you're dying we have to go get you supplies um and they realize they found the shoe of the missing girl and they kind of just go okay people tend to forget about stuff like this with the kids in town they go okay now we have to go meet and get supplies and go see the creepiest pharmacist I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the one, the one kid, the member of Henry Bowers's gang oh, disappeared. Yeah. He, oh. he chases them into the sewers and then ends up getting trapped by Pennywise in the sewers and dies. Yes. He is viciously attacked. Right. Well, he sees the dead. He sees like all the dead kids. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, he's like, He's, you know, he's just kind of like a, you know, a goon that follows Henry Bowers around and is really never mentioned again. Like, no one really cares that he's gone. He's he's mentioned a bit in the second one, but not a lot. Yeah, his flyers put over the missing girl's flyer. Right. By um, assume his mom? I don't know. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, like, his story in the book is a little bit more messed up because he's like, like a, like a budding serial killer in the book. Yes, He's got like a bunch of like dead animals that he keeps in that old like fridge. <laughs> right. Yeah. The book is definitely more graphic. Right. Um, but yeah. So anyway, so they're, they're going to go get supplies. They realize they have like $3 and they're trying to get like, you know, Eddie's like, all right, we need like these 50 things to patch him up. Um, Beverly is becoming a woman and she happens to be at the pharmacy where she starts flirting with the pharmacist who flirts back. Um, and she kind of just, you know, accidentally knocks stuff over. So the, the boys are able to, to steal things to help, you know, fix up Ben. Um, and she kind of meets him out there. And while they're there, you know, we, uh, I just want to point out that throughout this movie, this is a, big Mike Flanagan level of things in the backgrounds. Because <laughs> um, you realize if on multiple rewatches or even the first or second, you see more of Pennywise as disguised as other people in the backgrounds. Um, and we see it with Ben when he's in the library. We see Pennywise posters when we meet up with Mike um, as well, because they eventually uh, help Mike as well because he's getting beat up and bullied by Bowers and the gang. Um, yeah, and we realize, you know, at this point in time, also that that Ben has a big crush on Bev because she's learned the right in his yearbook, which I have to mention because it does come into play later. Uh, Mike, or sorry, uh, Richie's obsessed with the original Street Fighter arcade. Which is stupid. Uh, the game's awful. The first uh, one sucked. Like, if it was Street Fighter 2, I totally get it. Right. I totally understand. And I'm pretty sure Street Fighter 2 was out in 1989. No, that was 92. Was it really? Yeah. Whatever. Street Fighter 1 sucked. Yes, it absolutely has. It's a pale comparison to any other Street Fighter game. 
Any other um, fighting game, really? Oh, that too. Um. So yeah, they they yeah that that's all going on there, and then they're kind of like. Uh, I think that is this where they decide to uh, recount the tales of well, everything. Well, yeah, they they find Mike. Yeah. Um, and they they chase them through the woods, and they finally fight back against with Bowers the, uh, rock fight with yeah. the rock. <laughs> and then after they they throw the rock, that's where they like bond as the actual losers club with all the members. Yes. Um, and then that's when they start talking about other things, and then that's when, um, you know, they decide to like you know try to research further into it. Right, which which is as you said, Ben is has all the stuff about the town, but you know the kind of things that we see is you know Mike sees his parents burning alive, um, with all that stuff. Bev has the I don't know, how many how far did that tape measure go in the drain? Like fourteen feet or something like that. Twenty, I think it was like twenty four. It was it was very far. Yeah, um, and it, the bathroom erupts in blood. Uh, that's that's her thing, and only she can see. Her dad comes in, doesn't see it at all. Um, Bill sees in uh, arguably. I, I have to wonder: Did he imagine the water? Because if your house had that much water in the basement constantly, that's an unsafe house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it probably <laughs> was because, as we've seen, like parts of the hallucinations can be like blood dripping. Yeah on you so yeah i'm assuming that the water was part of yeah that so i mean definitely the water in the basement but possibly the water that tripped on his face too yeah um and george is like you will all float down here and you know it's just they're just scare tactics um eddie doesn't see anything at this point in time because he makes a joke like oh it must be only virgins that see it (laughs) that's richie Richie, sorry. Um, Eddie sees the leper at the creepy house. Yeah. Because, you know, he's afraid of disease stuff. Um, Stan is when he's working on his his bar mitzvah, his reading from the from the Torah, that he sees the painting come alive of, like, a disfigured woman. Uh, and then Ben was the balloon in the library basement. And the well, librarian ben, ben yeah. was Ben was the uh oh the on that the decapitated yeah, the, body yeah right 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 he's like yeah. kinda, he's kind of like historical bad things right because he sees like he flips through like fifty pages of the book that keeps getting faster faster and he's like a decapitated head because like eighty eight children died um right which is that's a that's a crazy amount of children think be like all of them right it's like all <laughs> the children in the town. In right. 1908, I would imagine 88 children in one town would be all of them. Yeah. So, yeah, they they kind of learn about it. They start going through the history, and Ben's talking about all the – how everything kind of leads to this well house, which happens to be that dilapidated house where Eddie sees the leper. Um, yeah, and then they're talking about it, and they go through the slideshow – in the garage and Pennywise eventually comes like a movie kind of like, I don't think you've seen it, but sinister um, and comes through the projector and just, just scaring the crap out of them. If he can't eat them, he's scaring the crap out of them. 
Um, and that comes into play later on in the series. We'll just say it now. He is essentially what he's a, a demon or an other dimensional being that feeds on fear. Well, yeah, I think I think he also feeds on flesh. Yes, but I, but I think he like it has prim- to be he, yeah he primes, he primes them up. <laughs> He primes them up, and when they reach a certain level of fear, then he eats them. Yes, and sometimes, yeah, that, yeah. right. Sometimes that happens right away. Like sometimes that happens the first time he meets them, and sometimes he has to do it to them multiple times to get them at that level of fear to do it. Yeah. So, like the other like random NPCs that we see dying um, are just the people that that get scared enough that first time to die, and then of course the losers club is even though they are scared, they are not at the level of eating scared. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're working. He, he's working his way up to them. And it's basically as, as we see, as it goes along, it's their strength of, of their togetherness of their being one big group that can rely on each other. That gives them the strength to not be scared enough for him to eat them. Yet. Right. Correct. Yeah. I mean, individually they've been screwed. <laughs> Correct. Um, so yeah, and then, you know, they talk about, you know, they're going, like, so they were can't tell us stuff. They help Beverly clean up the blood, even though, you know, they all could see it. So she's not completely crazy. And this is where we get into the cicada rhythm of every 27 years for a year, which is, you know, almost like Jeepers Creepers. Imagine that. <laughs> it was yeah. like cicada, man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, he like feeds on, on children until he's like had his fill and then he has like a huge feast where some horrible bad event happens where multiple people and children die. Right. And then that's when he like, you know, goes to hibernation for 27 years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, they're going through all that. Uh, and they're like, okay, Hey, we're going to go into this house. We know this, we, you know, based on the schematics, Everything points to the well house, um, and they start getting um, uh, not, I wouldn't say prepared. <laughs> That's for the second incantate, right? Where the right. where Mike where, where Mike gets the the uh, bullet gun, not bullet, the spear a, gun, essentially. Well, it's a it's a bolt gun. It's a it's bolt a slaughterhouse yeah. bolt gun. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, this, the first time they go in, they don't really get all that prepared. They just kind of like go in, go in. <laughs> right? yeah. just to see what's there. And then as they go in, they get like kind of separated and they all have their own kind of battles with their own demons, you know, that are, that are there. So like, you know, of course, like Eddie and the leper and Stanley and the, the painting Woman, lady. Yeah. And yeah. Like, so it's like, everybody has their own individual things. Like, you know, everybody does all that. So they, they all fight their own individual demons and they all kind of come back together and then Pennywise attacks them as himself and then uh, Beverly hits him with the, yeah. the spear thing. But not before, you know, uh, Eddie breaks his arm. Correct. Uh, Stan gets bit in the face. He's almost getting eaten at that point in time. Well, I think no, that's later on. That's the second round, is when he. That's gets the second round, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as this where they really also have the three doors of you know scary, very scary, not so scary. Like the okay, first well, this one, is yes. <laughs> in this <laughs> yeah. in this version, yes. Yes. 
Yeah. So they're like, okay, and that's yeah, as you said, they get split up and he's just trying to pick them off one by one. But we kind of see as they are together, they have enough strength to at least attack him. They realize, okay, well, he can be hurt. And right. that's the big piece of this, right? Um, is that the he can be hurt, and that's and they strength together. They realize that. Um, but he wants to, you know, Bill wants to go and there's like, okay, I think I think Georgie's still alive, which has been like almost a year at this point in time. Like, no, and there's you know, we have the third act falling out, you know, where everyone's like, No, we can't do this. You know, Mike's mom or Eddie's mom comes and takes him and it's like, Okay, no, you guys are bad for my sons, for my son, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, um like yeah, Bill like punches Richie in the face. Yeah. And- yeah, so everybody kind of like separates and goes their own way, which I don't know how long uh, of a time period is in between there, but I would say probably at least a couple weeks, right? It's a, it's a couple weeks because they're talking about that it's like June during this time frame, and it's like back in, in it's not until August that they start, like they spend the summer separated from each other. Okay, yeah, so yeah, it's like a month. Yeah, um, and you know Richie likes playing you know Street Fire all stuff, but. Um, we see, you know, Bev trying to sneak out of her apartment, and now we have just another great interaction with her dad, which I, it might be the last time he, uh, she sees him. <laughs> I doubt she goes back to him after this. The dad? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Well, because yeah, yeah, based on the conversation they have at the end, yes, because yeah, at, the, at this point she doesn't go back. Oh, she goes with her live with her aunt. Yeah, at the very end, right? Yeah, but yeah, she was looking to sneak out. She confronts her dad. Uh, he's almost you know you know do the boys tell me I'm you're you're still my little girl? Do the boys know that you're my little girl? Like eh, like. Explain like you didn't tell my secret. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's yeah. uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> it's <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, and then she like runs and hides in the bathroom. Um, and then knowing that he's gonna kick down the door, she hides in behind the shower curtain with the top of the toilet, which is pretty smart because that's yeah, porcelain's very heavy. So as he like moves the, the shower curtain back, she smacks him in the face with porcelain. Um, and we're like, oh, yay, Bev is going to escape and she's going to leave. And then as she, like, turns towards the door, like, Pennywise just appears and just grabs her by the neck. And then she's gone. Yes. Um, and that that's that's callous for the Losers Club getting back together. Bill kind of goes, uh, hey, he's back. He's got Bev. We have to go do something about that. Well, yeah, but um, Bill just, like, appears. Right. And then, like, goes in the house and sees the dad and everything. And then goes, oh, yeah, she's gone. Yep. Um, and then we see, you know, how Edwards uh, is afraid of his dad, who's a cop, you know, a drunk cop, abuses him, clearly shoots around him. He's like, see, he's a coward. Okay, Powers um, well, and- was an asshole. I think, I think the dad was like a disciplinarian yeah. who, who was trying really hard to, like, keep his son in line. And then kind of like realized that he failed when his son became like a total piece of shit. And then and then he just like gave up, like, fuck this kid. You know, I think that's what happened because he doesn't come off as like a just a bad guy. Like he doesn't 
just punch him in the face or anything. Like he's not right. just a, a violent, abusive person. I think there was probably a lot of mental abuse, but I think it was like over time. It, it seemed to be like Bowers was just a piece of shit from the day one. Right. And just no matter what he did to try to keep him in line, he just would not stay in line. And so over time, he just gave less of a shit and just started like threatening him to shut him up. Right. Which is a very, this Bowers is a very typical character in every single, single Stephen King story. But there's, there's, well, there's a lot of times where Bowers is threatening other children and then the cop shows up. Like going, you know, and all he has to do is like look at him and he backs down and like goes away. Right. But he knows his kids are pieces of shit. I mean, he knows he's an asshole. Yeah. Like, he know he knows he's picking on younger kids and shit like that. Like, again, I think at this part, he just like realized he's failed. I think he did try. <laughs> and then at this point, he just knows he failed. And again, like, what does he catch the kid doing? They're like shooting the dad's gun in the backyard. Right. And then he's like, oh, hold up that cat so I can shoot it. Yeah. Like, and then the dad comes up like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like, you don't shoot a cat. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. And then, and then so he takes the gun back and what does he do? You know, because he's about, you know, he's like trying to be all a little tough guy. And so he just like shoots the, the ground near him, which again, yeah, abusive, shitty. Yes. <laughs> but he just goes, you know, like, hey, you know, don't follow him around. Don't listen to what he says. He's just a paper man. He'll crumble when you threaten him. Yeah, he's just a scared little boy, too. Right. Again, he's he knows his kid's a piece of shit, and he's trying to tell these other kids, like, stay away from him. Don't be an asshole like him. He's not like, again, he could have just punched the kid, <laughs> you know, or beat the hell out of him or pistol whipped him or something. But no, he didn't. Right. I think he just, over time, he just gave up. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, so this comes to play. He eventually comes back, and Pennywise is on TV in like almost a lamb chop ish show, and tells him to kill his dad, which he does, and then kill them all because he realizes that Powers is like as evil as him, or a good henchman that he can manipulate and control. Well, yeah, um, the, the funny thing is that whenever the TV is on, and like this entire movie, it's that show. Yes. Of like a lady sitting with a bunch of kids around her. And if you listen earlier, I think it's when Eddie's mom is watching the TV. They're having like the sewers. Yeah, it's she's fun. talking like, it's you, yeah, the, yeah fun it's fun to play in the sewers. <laughs> I mean, it's like, so, like, it's been happening for the whole time. It's yeah. just weird that, yeah, whatever. But, right. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting thing. But, yeah, it's just one of the one of the background things you see Pennywise doing the whole time. Which makes for a great movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, they, you know, Bill gets everyone together. Um, you know, Mike gets the bolt gun. They have, you know, spears and weapons and all that stuff. They're like, they're ready to go get uh, Beverly. They go down the down the sewer. They don't show how everyone gets down. Like, I was surprised how Eddie got down that because, like, they had to stop in the middle before they fall down the entire well to go there. And, you know, just as Mike is about to go down, he gets attacked by uh, a very blood-covered Bowers who's trying to kill him. And Mike kind of just, like, tackles him into the well, and we just see him go flying past, and we go, oh, that's the end of Bowers. Yeah, yeah then Bowers <laughs> exits the movie. That's it. Yes. <laughs> All that lead up to that, and then yes. no more. Uh, but in the process, he loses all his bolts for the bolt gun, so he doesn't really have 
and the other one he just happened to reload because Bowers almost shoots him in the head with it. Um, so yeah, they kind of just go down there, and oh well, Beverly. We see Beverly. She kind of wakes up, and we get Pennywise just trying to entertain her, just trying to be a fantastic dancing clown that he is. <laughs> um, and then she kind of just. Uh, he opens his mouth and she sees the deadlights, um, which come from inside Pennywise. Uh, I I know the book has some really weird explanation that he's part, like a space turtle's part of this too. Well, that yeah, that really doesn't come in until well, in this version it would come in the second. I mean, obviously in the original book it's like these things are happening concurrently. You're right. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, well, because it's the whole dark tower thing, right? Um, because yeah, all things serve the beam, as they say, and the turtle is one of the lines of the beam, and the turtle is the the thing that that governs like the earth realm. Yes. So yeah, so the turtle is kind of like the 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 I guess the the god, if you will, but like this end of our beam. What. Right. Right, and, and and luckily we don't have the infamous scene from the book in this movie, dude. That scene is so bizarre. I mean, I don't under, <laughs> I don't understand how any like director could look at that and be like, oh yeah, I'll put that in the movie. No one will ever touch that. No one no. will ever touch that. And, like, I don't even know why Stephen King has it like written it out of his own book. Like, I don't understand what he was thinking to put it in there. So the infamous scene we're talking about is the orgy of the kids before they it's go face anyway. Okay, like okay. Even if <laughs> even if like his whole thing is like, you know, Bev has to be everyone's first love so that they're all together or whatever, right? Okay, yeah. why not just have like a kiss, man? That's fine. <laughs> like that's like your first love's kiss, right? That's okay. No, we're talking like full on like P to V intercourse with children. Yes. It's fucking bizarre. And like I said, and it's like an orgy because it's all of them. Like they all and have to take 13, their turn. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yes. And they're 13. Yeah. That was. Uh, yeah, it, so thankfully uh, they just cut that part out. Then they just left the sewers and that was it. <laughs> um. Yeah. That was. Yeah. Like I said, thankfully that. Um, and they, you know, they go and realize that, you know, Bev is kind of floating and they look up, they see all the dead kids kind of floating. They're like, oh, this is what they mean. We'll all float too. You'll float too. Um, yeah. So I think they're, you know, Pennywise is still trying to get them. We have a little bit more chance and he kind of takes on the guise of Georgie, but this time Georgie has almost the yellow eyes again and realizes that you know hey this isn't this isn't georgie he, um, does, he does have the one arm too yeah yeah um oh i've got i forgot to mention that you know when they're attacking them that the, he, we see pennywise with the kid that disappears has the arm he's like it starts waving at him. <laughs> that's a fun, i thought that was funny well, that yeah, that was when Mike was getting attacked at the yeah. river by Bowers before they showed up at the rocks. Yeah, but I just thought that was funny. It's like yeah. perfectly done. Um, you know, uh, so uh, Ben kisses Beverly. She wakes up from it. Um, like I said, then he kind of like 
Bill gets taken hostage by Pennywise. He's like, hey, if you let me eat this guy, you all can go. Right. Well, also, like, the whole poem thing. Like, Ben wrote a poem for Beverly, but signed it like your secret admirer. Right. And then, so, like, she loves the poem. She originally thought Bill wrote it, but she, like, asked him, and he, like, had no idea what she's talking about. Um, so then, like, when Ben kisses her to, like, wake her up, like, she repeats a line of the poem, and then he finishes it. So, like, she realizes at this point that Ben is the one that wrote it. Which yeah, is but... thrown out. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, especially in the second one. It's or then this movie too. Um, so yeah, they essentially start uh you know, they go, Hey, no, that's not cool, you can't have Bill, and they start using their weapons and realizing the fear of comes, you know, even with like getting hit by was it was it Stan that hits them in the head with the baseball bat? Uh well Richie had the baseball bat, but yeah. we also realized that um Bill had the bolt gun and Bill, I mean, I guess it's debatable whether he knew it was loaded or not, but um, Mike is clearly telling him it's not loaded and then he fires it and it hurts him anyway. And so that's where we get the whole thing of like, it's more of belief versus what it is. Like he believed it was loaded. He believed it would hurt him. So it did. And it's and the 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 closest to that in the TV series was hey this is batter acid from from Eddie's inhaler and it's that belief as well right because that in the TV series that's what they used was the inhaler and say hey it's batter acid so it's the overcoming of fear that is the the downfall of Pennywise uh, Pennywise realizes that he done goofed up <laughs> right well, yeah but it, yeah it's the whole like what do they call it? the ritual of chewed. But that's they don't actually mention that until the second one. But in the Correct. book, it's, it's they do it both times. Yes. Um, and it's it's bizarre in the book. I understand why they just changed it because it's it's weird. It's like yes, the two two beings have to like bite each other's tongues, and then like they go into like psychic warfare, and then like whoever is like the the wittier wins or so it's it's bizarre the way they describe it in the book but in the, in the movie it's more of just a very direct thing yes it's um, just the power of belief right and so essentially pennywise his head kind of goes like okay and he goes around the sewer kind of disappearing and they think hey we're good um you know uh bill does see the raincoat from uh <laughs> Oh, Georgie is like, okay, he's dead. And the kids kind of start floating down like, okay, we're it's done. Um, He will starve during his hibernation because he didn't get enough to feed. Uh, And then they kind of just go finish off their. um, There's some, I don't know how much time they say has passed. Uh, Because also, sorry, this is where Stan gets his face kind of not on a little bit. Yeah, and uh, on their way to the yeah. Pennywise chamber, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, because uh, let's face it, Stan was probably their weakest link, and that comes into play later, right? He right. realizes that he is the most fearful and not as strong as the others, I would say. Um, after everyone got gets healed up and recovered from the battles, they're sitting around, it's like, I don't really remember much, but I remember us fighting it as adults and, you know... Uh, 
and a little bit foreshadowing um stan asks how do i look as an adult you know the same but older uh you know spoiler now she doesn't know what he looks like as an adult um and so they do a blood oath They're like hey in 27 years if he comes back we will be back uh Bev and Bill kind of kiss, and it's just, hey, I'm leaving. T- I'm leaving from Maine all the way to, I think, Oregon. Portland, so all the way, yeah. Portland, Oregon, yeah. Uh, he says, I feel this for you, and they kiss, and she's not with Ben. And we hit chapter one. Right. And that, yeah, I don't get that whole, uh, it's more of a complaint in the second one, but I don't get the whole, like, she loved that poem so much. Yes. Right? And then she finally learns who it was. Like, True Love's Kiss, like, woke her up out of the deadlights, right? Yep. And then, like, immediately thrown out. Immediately forgot. Correct. <laughs> like, just immediately, like, nope. <laughs> We're just going to avoid that plot point. We're not going to bring it up until, like, three quarters of the way through the second movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, first thoughts, you know. I okay. I, I, I when when this was coming out, when I started hearing, uh, well, well, sorry, we'll discuss it for the second one. Um, I was excited. Like, I I think the TV series of the original it was fantastic. Uh, I like that they did go interspersed between back and forth between kids and stuff like that. You can go back and watch it and realize there's a lot of decently named people in the miniseries. Right? We had uh. John Ritter, we had the dad from Sister Sister, we had early Seth, young Seth Green, we had a young oh, I don't remember her name, but she was in um the Ginger Snaps. Um she was she was Bev okay. <laughs> as a child. Yeah. Um I think the Bev as an adult was uh she was from the uh one of the Superman movies, not as Lois Lane, but the other one. And she was in Smallville. So a lot of decent names. And obviously Tim Curry. Um, but when I heard that this was going to be an R-rated movie, I go, okay, you know, this is kind of what we needed. But once again, Stephen King's stuff has been notoriously bad. Uh, well, it's 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 not all bad. It's just very hit or miss. Right. Um, His name does not necessarily mean it's going to be good. Correct. However, I saw this movie, I'm like, ooh, Maybe we'll start getting great Stephen King adaptations of stuff. Like I, I started thinking, like, okay, what should they remake <laughs> versus uh, this? Not not as opposed to this, but like I said, this was a fantastic movie, true to form. Not like I said, not as weird as as the books, um, but it is a great rewatch. I mean, I've seen it. I don't know how many times at this point in time. It's not a yearly thing, but this is probably the fourth or fifth time since I've seen this. And I go, I'm glad this is, you know, R-rated and gory and really what we needed from this story. What about you? What are your first thoughts on this or in rewatches? Um, I think, I think this is only the second time I've seen it. Um, I mean, I saw it in the theater when it came out, but that was, I mean, it's 2017. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's only the second time I've seen it since then. I mean, when I saw it in the theater, I really liked it. Um, I mean, again, it was a lot closer to the book. Um, but again, it's also 
weird because the book goes back and forth. Right. Um, so it's kind of like the story is told, you know, simultaneously in the present and in the past. Um, and it gives you like, you know, when things happen in the present, they give you, you know, the background of the past and vice versa, you know, um, to show why these things are happening. And it's really it's done really well in the book. Um, and it's just kind of weird to like completely separate it out. So we're like, there is no adults at all. It's only the kid versions of them. Um, I, yeah. think they, I think they did a good job telling a coherent story with just them. Um, but again, there's a lot of things that, that get left out, you know, like the whole like ritual at the end, you know, cause again, like when they get to that point that they, they did the ritual the same way, both times. Um, but, you know, obviously this time they didn't, we didn't, they didn't really do a ritual the first time that is like fought him and they didn't come the ritual thing didn't come in until the second one. And it was weird. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's closer to the book than, than the miniseries was. Miniseries is good in its own right. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's a TV miniseries. It's like the stand, right? The stand, the TV miniseries is, is, is good. It's not great. I think it could be done much better. I haven't watched the new one yet. I don't know if they did a better job or not. Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it was still it was still a TV thing. It wasn't like I think if they did like a like an HBO version of it, I think it would be really good. Yes. Um. But again, I think the stand has a terrible ending as far as the book ending goes. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it, again, it's 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 good. It's better. Um. Than, than the other, than the first one again the first one isn't bad it's just not as faithful as this one is but it's still weird that they completely separated it out not fully having the second one planned out by the time this is over which is odd if they had both of them written and ready to go at the same time i think it would have been better but like they didn't start like figuring out what the second one was going to be until after the first one did well yes which is you can really tell at certain points of the second one that like they didn't really know what direction they were going in <laughs> you know there's things that that happen you're like oh, okay what why is this here right um, um do, do you think on your rewatches do you notice all of pennywise more through um, the backgrounds of everything so i did especially yeah. in the second rewatch well, I mean, yeah, you've rewatched it several times. This is only my second time, um, so I didn't. I knew I knew there was certain things to look for, um, mm -hmm. but I didn't. Yeah, I probably missed a lot of it. Like I, I remember the first time I saw it, I remember something with the that weird mural that was in the alley. Yeah, um, and then the second time I didn't notice it. I was looking for it and I didn't notice it. So like I know there's there's bound to be a lot of stuff that I didn't see the first time. So. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a lot. I mean, there's a ton of stuff, ton of YouTube videos. One in particular that I won't channel, I won't name, is that the, the librarian in the background. You just gradually getting closer to Ben as he's reading the book. You know, it's the same person that goes, "This ruined the movie," and like another list, they go, "This was great." I'm like, well, I, I don't think it ruined the movie in any way, shape, or form. I don't think it, you know. Did anything? I think it was fantastic that you realize that Pennywise has been there the entire time through the TV show, telling people it's fun to play in the sewers. Kind of like, 
like stalking his victims before he does anything more with them. And I think it's just kind of like a, a way for him to figure out what their fears are. Well, yeah, I mean, as we, you know, figure out as we go along here, like he's Pennywise or, you know, I, I should say accurately, the entity behind Pennywise has been like connected to the city since its very, very beginnings. Yes. So, so every little piece of the city he's like connected to. Right. And I think the book talks about like he's been there for millions of years, potentially, that he's been in just that ancient he's 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 like an elder god more or less yeah yeah right so no i i, I think it's always this one the first one especially i think is always worth a rewatch second one not so much but <laughs> i think i think everything was strong with the first one and yeah uh, let's, let's, might as well just roll into the highlights um the acting for, as, as we've discussed many times, kids in the horror movies don't generally go well. Um, I think everyone did a fantastic job. Um, I mean, I won't say everybody. I would say uh, Finn Wolfhard actually did a good job as Richie. I I liked him. I think Bill did a great job. I thought Beverly was great. Um, Eddie and Stanley were great. Uh, I think Ben is a little weak the kid version of Ben <laughs> is a little weak in his acting, like very kind of generic and, and yeah. light. Um, and then Mike, I don't think really gets enough. He's not fleshed out enough as a kid. Right. Because again, they, the, the one thing that really made him the interesting character in the book, they took away from him. So like, he doesn't really have anything to, to contribute <laughs> to in, in the story of them being kids, which is, Again, it's it's just odd. I don't know why they did that. It's it's strange to me. But yeah, I mean, all the adults are over the top, but not in a bad way. No, like the, you, the adult versions. Felt, yeah, yeah. I'm saying no. Their parents, like you, uh-huh. felt like they're losers at home and they're losers at school. Like you felt like they are just, just all, pretty much everyone has like a rough. Ch- home life well uh, rough yeah i mean rough for for different reasons and whatever but i mean all all kids have difficulties you know right as kids but yeah i would say they probably have harder (laughs) than the average sure and and let's let's say bill skarsgård he he was pennywise absolutely you know and you talk about like he's talking about interviews and stuff like that, um, and you know they that they said like they didn't let the kids see Skarsgård and what he was going to do beforehand, so it was more you know terrifying for them. And he got really concerned when filming that he actually was scaring them. And they're like, "No, we're good." He's like, "Oh, <laughs> like okay, I guess you guys are good actors." <laughs> like, wow, I'm just making sure that you guys are okay. And he seemed to get along with the cast and the, the the kid actors really well, which I think is important when you do movies like this. You know, again, they're older, but yeah, Bill Skarsgård nailed it. Um, I think the essence of Pennywise really was that, like, he was chaotic evil, 
right? Because he also has, you find things like he's still the clown occasionally. Um, but also the, the this ancient evil entity as well. Right. Well, yeah, I think he just he just takes whatever form pleases him. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, Pennywise struck his fancy because obviously Pennywise didn't come around until like what, like nineteen oh eight, I think. Yeah, is when Pennywise like made his real appearance, and like so he was some had some other appearance before then. Right. But since that nineteen oh eight version, he's like latched on to that as being his main. Yeah. And clowns scare a lot of people, and and scares Richie. He admits that too that he's just he's afraid of clowns. And you know, while they're going through the house, and he gets you know the into the clown room, we do see homage to Tim Curry's outfit as Pennywise. Right. Also, the funny thing is, you know who else is afraid of clowns? Who's that? Tim Curry. Oh, they could not have mirrors on set. <laughs> for his for the original miniseries, he could not have mirrors on set because he could not see himself as a clown because he's terrified of clowns. So, like when he was painted up as a clown, just imagine that he never looked at himself as a clown wow. <laughs> because he was terrified of his of himself. And I will, and I will say that is for his credit too. Is Tim Curry is lost in that role? You don't know it's Tim Curry unless you really know it's Tim Curry. Like the first time, I had no idea it was Tim Curry. Well, he's he's done several roles like that, like Legend. You ever see Legend? Right. Like, yeah. you, you would not know that's Tim Curry unless you were told it's Tim Curry. I mean, but yeah, I, uh, just going back, yeah, but yeah, I mean, they also Skarsgård, as we discussed, it's like barbarians. He just seems to have that creep factor for some reason, um, and they just amplified his features to do it, and I think that worked really well for it, yeah. their iteration of Pennywise. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just funny because the first thing I remember seeing Bill Skarsgård in was um, Hemlock Grove. Did you yep. ever see that? Oh yeah, and I was like, Hemlock Grove was not great. <laughs> and like I was like, really, that guy? That's the guy that's gonna play Pennywise? And I was I was completely wrong. I mean, he knocked it out of the park, but that was like the only thing I really knew him of at, at that time that they announced it anyway. Right. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. So yeah, well, let's get into your highlights. Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Pennywise is is number one. I mean, I think he, he nailed it. I mean, not only the, the character, the vibe, the whole tone, I mean, everything is, it's much darker than the Tim Curry version. You know, even like, if you look at even his outfit, right? Yeah. Like Tim Curry's outfit was like the big goofy, you know, cheap looking clown but, suit. The clown, yeah. Right. Um, And then like, you know, this version is like the old school, like early 1900s, like clown, but like, you know, weird, like dark ruffles and stuff like that like you know clowns from that time period um yeah it's it's interesting i mean the original book i guess would probably be tim curry's would probably be more correct because i remember um i mean the original book is it's more set in the 50s so like most of the things that he would take the form of were like horror movie stuff of the 50s so you're right. talking like, yeah, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, you know, the mummy, werewolf. Wolf, yeah. yeah, right. That kind of stuff. But there was always uh, something on them to to, notif- to kind of show you that it was Pennywise. Yeah. Pennywise version of it. And it was usually the like the pom pom buttons that he had on his, the front of his suit. They would still be present on whatever form he was taking. 
So I would guess if that's true, I would say the Tim Curry version is probably more correct. Yeah. But I do like Pennywise. This Pennywise version's better. I, th- I like the darker version of him. The more historically accurate darker version better. Yeah. Um, and I also thought they did a really good job with all like the creature effects. Um, you know, all like the you know like the painting lady, the leper. You know, the, all the, the the goofy like monster versions of things. I thought they did a great job. Um, I mean, obviously Pennywise in his normal form is a lot more prevalent in the movie than in the book. And I, I mean, I get that. You know, you want to you want to make sure that you know it's the same antagonist the whole time, right? So yeah, I, mean, I think they did a good job with that. But yeah, just. And I guess Pennywise in all his forms this is my highlight. Okay. Well, we roll into your low points. I know we discussed it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say my number one low point is Mrs. K's fat suit. Yes. That is the worst fat suit I have ever seen. It looked like she literally <laughs> had balloons under her shirt. I mean, it was like that bad. It was like they didn't even try. <laughs> like, okay, there's, I, I know they have good fat suits out there and I know they have like, they're freely available in Hollywood. It's not hard for you to get a fat suit and that they picked like the worst looking fat suit ever. It looks horrible. Um, And then also my other low is just the whole Mike and Ben switch. I think I don't understand why they, they did that. I, I, again, I'm just, it's just kind of lost. Cause again, like I always said, Mike doesn't really get fleshed out as a kid because the only thing that he really contributes in the book gets taken away from him and puts on Ben. So then Mike is just literally just the, the token character, which is, you know, a detriment, you know, it's again, a taking away from the, what he had in the book. It, it, now he has nothing. Like the only thing yeah. he brought was like, he brought the bolt gun, which he ultimately didn't even get to use. <laughs> Correct. It was, it was like other characters got to use it. He just brought it. That was it. That was his whole character trait. <laughs> Brings, okay, you know, sheep killing bolt gun yeah yeah i i i don't disagree with with that especially as we get into yeah you know why switching of it it makes no sense and for it makes zero sense as well as i was watching this the second one with the wife she goes wait why is mike staying i'm like well because he does Right. Well, in the book, it makes way more sense. But yeah, in the movie, it's like what? Like it in the first one, in the in the story of the first movie in chapter one, it's fine, right? Again, Mike doesn't really get fleshed out that much, but the story still works out in the end, right? Yeah, everything still gets done. And the second one, it really becomes a problem <laughs> because now it's like they decided to keep with the original versions of their character, which is like okay, that 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 doesn't make sense. Like this is totally reverse of what it should be. Right. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a big thing. Like, that's a big change and uh, unnecessary change. And I think the course corrected too. You know, it's the same guy who did both of these. Right, and it's odd because it feels like it's different. Like, it feels like a different person did it. I don't know why, but it does. It really feels like it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, you know, it, grant these are shorter movies. I mean, they, no, not, the, the movies are long. The book is freaking long. Yeah. it's yeah. Uh, I think it's 1,000 pages plus, I think, right? Right. Um, so, obviously, you can't go into it. But, I mean, Grant told we have about 
what almost six hours worth of movie. <laughs> uh, uh, two, five and a half. Let's yeah, go five. It's, yeah, and it's, a half. it's a bit over five because like, the first one's like two hours and fifteen, and the second one's like two forty-five. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, I think, yeah, the, the whole switching of things, that always bothers me a bit in, in these movies. Like that's not the core of the character and it bothers me, especially like the shine, like they change the room number. I go, what was the point of changing the room number? It's the room number. That's always been that room number in the shine. And this is kind of just, I think just a, a same thing of that is just like, why there was no point of it. They could have. Fleshed as you said, fleshed out Mike much better as a character. Yeah, because yeah, again, I think there was probably more to his character that probably just got cut out. Yeah, because I, I know that they were like there were certain scenes that they had filmed that they had to cut out for length and stuff that they wanted to put back in, and they specifically said that one of the scenes that they wanted to put back in was the black spot fire, and I'm pretty yes. sure that was probably a Mike heavy thing because he did see. The, the a little bit of the black spot fire when he was at that the meat delivery right like all the hands that were coming out of that door that was the black spot fire and i'm pretty sure there was a lot more to that right but all right uh so for our out of this week for this episode we are doing monsters in the dark because that is the theme for this especially with the boogeyman um so i'll, I'll just go first number of monsters in the dark out of 10 uh, this is a solid movie. Um, other than being like a five-hour-long movie, I don't think they could have crammed everything in there they needed to, but they really got the gist of it. Like, we didn't need to go that heavy into the gang of the Bowers gang because the book gets very deep into it mm-hmm. with all of them. Um, this is, like I said, this is a strong outing. I'm giving it nine monsters in the dark out of ten. What about you? Um, I mean, I did like it. I mean, it's definitely in rewatch territory. I wouldn't go that high. I would say uh, 7.5 Monsters in the Dark. 7.5? Yep. Yes, I was rating so high just because of of Stephen King movies. It is in the top echelons for both of them, for the uh, horror movie side of things. I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, but like I said, there's just, yeah, there's, there's just some, some pain points that I didn't like yeah but again not enough for me not to like it but enough for me not to put it in the top tier all right all right well why don't you bring us into it chapter two then sir uh sure uh i know we've already kind of mentioned a little bit of what <laughs> happens in this but uh essentially uh chapter two starts 27 years later which is you know the hibernation sleep cycle um for for it um, and then it starts off with a um, a carnival in Derry, where we have two uh, gentlemen that are obviously, you know, in love on a date type of thing, right? Um, so they're like, you know, kind of kissing and having like a romantic date at the carnival, which is a typical thing that couples do. Um, and then, you know, a bunch of good old boys decide that they don't like that, and they basically just gay bash them. I mean, for lack of a better word there right I mean, that's essentially what is they bash yeah i mean that's, that's <laughs> literally what they do is they they like corner them and then beat them um and then one of them which is i guess is probably the most the more confrontational of the two the one that's kind of like you know spitting back at them you know 
um, is uh, he gets thrown off the bridge after beaten like near unconscious. Yes. Um, gets thrown off the bridge and then the, you know they beat the other one to the point where he goes to, like to the bridge to go see what's happening and he sees him like washing down like a white river you know white water rafting river right um so he goes down to like the the shore to like try to get him and then we see pennywise on the shore of the river like kind of dragging him out um, and then as he's like, he's like, oh, you know, good. He's somebody saved him. That's great. And then Pennywise just, you know, straight up bites like his heart out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, his you know, nose screams, you know, everybody, nobody's happy. Um, and then we kind of realize that, um, you know, he's, he's back. So we get like Mike, who is uh, the guy who stayed behind. He's the, like a librarian in Derry. He's taken over the library. He lives there, like literally lives upstairs in the library. Um, and he goes to check out this, you know, scene and he sees, you know, written on the bridge, um, come home, come home, come home in the blood that I'm guessing only they can see. Right. Um, because it's the same blood that like Beverly had in the first one to where the kids could all see it, but nobody else could. So I'm guessing it's only the people that it wants to see it will see it. So Mike, realizing that it is back, um, decides to call everybody to come back. Now, the thing is, is that for as everybody else left Derry, except for Mike. Mike's the only one that stayed behind. So everybody else left. And the, the further away that they got, the more successful that they were. Um, so everybody is, is leaving a very successful life. Um, because it is giving them that power to be successful and also taking away their memories of what they went through as children in dare. So the longer they stay away, the further away they are, the more successful they are. And yet the less they remember about them being there. Um, so we get to um, Bill, who is now played by James, uh, McAvoy <laughs> Um is a horror writer, kind of like the Stephen King stand-in, right? Um, he's a horror writer who writes great books with bad endings, um, and he's uh, now his books are being made into movies. Um, and he's kind of like you know trying to come up with a better ending for the movie than he had for the book. And we find out that his wife is the actress that's starring in the movie. Um, and then he gets a call from Mike, and then like as soon as you know he's like, oh hey. Hey, Bill, it's Mike. And he's like, Mike who? Meaning like he doesn't remember who Mike is. And Mike has to like kind of give him the breakdown of like, hey, yeah, you're from Derry. Like I'm from Derry. Remember you said, you know, 27 years, if it comes back, you have to come back. Well, it came back. You have to come back to Derry. And everybody like, yeah, they, they start feeling like really sick and really ill and super nervous. Like as soon as Mike says that, um, Bill starts stuttering again, which, you know, he hasn't done for like 20 years. Right. Um, so then we get to, you know, Richie is a stand up comic um, who, again, he goes up on stage every night. He doesn't get nervous at all. And when Mike calls him, he literally throws up from being so nervous and scared. And then he forgets like his jokes. Um, Beverly is in a like abusive relationship um, which yeah. he escapes and just runs away from um, Ben is a very successful architect, architect. 
Yeah. Yeah. Architect. Yep. Um, who like owns his own architecture company, like builds skyscrapers and stuff. Obviously very important type person. Um, let's see. Eddie is a risk assessment manager. Yep. Um, who like does insurancey type stuff. And when he gets told about it, he gets, you know, a car accident. Um, his wife is now basically like a replacement for his mother. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like exactly <laughs> like his mother. Um, Stanley, I don't think they'd say what he was. Because as an adult, well, he's well, like, well, yeah, I'm just saying, but I don't think they even say like what he was doing. He was just like putting together a puzzle. So he's a, right. a puzzle builder in the future. Who knows? I don't know. We don't get more information. Um, uh, who else is there? Is that everybody? I think that's yep. yeah, okay. So yeah, so um, immediately when Stanley gets called and they say, hey, yeah, you got to come back, Stanley uh, just kills himself. He goes into the bathtub and just slits his own wrist. Um, Now, in the book, all he does is write it on the wall in his own blood. Yes. That's it. That's all we get. Um, And this one, he doesn't even do that. But we get, like, everybody gets this nice letter at the end explaining why he did it, which is dumb, but whatever. I guess it's I guess it's the conclusion of the the arc is is the, the letter is just basically summarizing everything, you know happy to give us the kind of sort of happy ending that we're looking for anyway um so yeah so stanley is dead right away um everybody else goes to meet at um this like chinese restaurant um and they go there and at first they're like they barely remember each other like they don't remember anything at all um and as they're like sitting there and talking the memories are coming back and they just start acting like the kid versions of themselves again right yeah um, they you know, like making fun of each other and acting like the losers club were before. But now Ben's hot. Well, yeah, yeah. Now Ben <laughs> has lost a lot of weight. Ben is hot. Ben appears <laughs> to look like, like they say, he looks like a Brazilian soccer player. He does not look <laughs> anything like his original little fat white kid that he was in the first movie. Um, yeah, Beverly is jessica chastain who like everybody knows who she is um richie is bill Hader. um i don't i don't really i don't think i know anybody else i mean i know their face but i don't know their names um but anyway so they're all kind of like you know getting in you know remembering things you know remembering things they they understand about the it thing but they haven't quite remembered everything yet Right. So Mike finally like shows them like, okay, it's back. Like things are dying. Like, you know, I saw the message, blah, blah, blah. They're all kind of like blowing it off because they still don't remember everything yet. And, uh, you know, they basically at the end, they get in a big kind of fight. Um, the fortune cookies, like, you know, they, everybody takes a fortune cookie and it like spells out, um, you know, looks like Stanley couldn't cut it. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is before they know he's dead, but they, they right after this, they find out that, you know, he's dead and that's the joke. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, like the fortune cookies, like little monsters come out of the fortune cookies and they're like fighting them kind of. Sort that of. only they can see. Yeah. That only they can see, which we see like the waitress comes in and he's like smashing the lazy Susan on the table with the chair and there's nothing there. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, basically at this point they're all like, yeah, screw that. We're all leaving. We're all going home. Like, this is stupid. You know, like, it's nothing is back. This is all just, like, childish stuff. Because, again, they don't they don't fully remember. 
Um, so they go back and they kind of go in their own separate ways. And as they go their own separate ways, they start to have their old spooky experiences again, right? Like Pennywise is basically like visiting all of them and, and bringing back all the things that they were scared of. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Beverly has her dad. Richie is, uh, what was Richie? He was just afraid of clowns, but he got Paul Bunyan. Oh, yeah, that's, right. that's right. Yeah, Paul Bunyan attacked him. But that was that was like a flashback. Whatever. Uh, Whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's what that he gets. Bill, of course, sees the Georgie again. Um, Eddie has the leper. Stanley has the deformed paint. Well, well, he's dead. But, right. Um, and then, you know, whatever. Everybody kind of re-sees their own kind of thing again. So then they all kind of get together like, okay, I guess you're like for real. Um, but they're still like not sure about it. And so Mike tricks Bill to going back to his apartment and he gives him like drugged water <laughs> and he makes him basically have like a vision quest <laughs> to see oh, that. Oh yeah, he gets big out Yeah, whatever. He goes, he, so he goes on this vision quest and that's when he sees that, you know, the Pennywise is actually like this millions of year old entity that has been doing this for you know, again, millennia, like who knows how long he's been doing it for. Um, but he's also shown like this ritual that should um, kill it or at least imprison it for good. Um, and it's called this ritual of chewed, which in, in this version of it is the first time it's mentioned in the book. It is mentioned, you know, that they, both the kids and the adults knew about it, but it, again, it was concurrent in the book. You know, the timelines are concurrent, but that's fine. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like they they got to like basically put the deadlights in like this little leather bucket thing. <laughs> um, and so now that Bill has seen the truth, um, he's like, you know, Mike is like, yeah, I had to make you see it because everybody will listen to you. They don't listen to me. So they basically go back and Bill kind of like convinces them to, to come back. Um, I think like Richie still tries to get away, but he ends up having another experience and then he like goes, okay, fine. Yep. So they're like, okay, fine. We're all on board now. Um, you know, what do we need to do? Like, well, we all need to go find, uh, an artifact that will one, um, bring back all your memories of what happened that summer. And two is a thing needed for the ritual. So they all kind of, you know, go off and do their own thing. So basically they all go off and they have their own, again, another like interaction with Pennywise individually. Um, so, so Bill, um, goes back to his, um, you know, childhood home. Um, there's kind of like this other kid that's kind of like a stand in for Georgie that's there. Um, but eventually, you know, whatever he like has a, you know, meeting with Pennywise and he ends up getting Georgie's boat back. The boat that, you know, was covered in wax and was put in the, in the, you know, thing that Georgie was chasing. That's how he got captured by Pennywise at the beginning. And that is his artifact. And then he remembers everything. Right. Um, okay. Beverly goes back to her old house. Um, some old lady is like staying in her old apartment. Um, and as she goes in, the old lady's like making her tea, making her cookies, and she gets like progressively weirder as the as, yeah. as the conversation goes, and she's like 
all of a sudden she starts getting like weird accents and she starts getting like weird like boils and, and injuries on her skin. She um, gets naked. Yeah, and then she goes to like get the cookies and then she's like running past naked. I mean, it's like, yeah, weird stuff. So anyway, Beverly goes into her old room and, you know, finds her old hiding spot and finds the old like postcard that has the poem that Ben wrote her, which at this point she does not remember who wrote it. Again, as as we said last time, the information that she knows who wrote this it was gone the second that it happened. Yeah. Um, so she doesn't know who wrote it, but she still knows that that postcard was important to her. So she gets that thing, and then the lady just like turns into like a I don't know, like a big troll. <laughs> or she's, she's like the she's like the 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 barbarian monster. Yeah, yeah she's yeah, she's like a big naked troll lady <laughs> that like chases her out and then Beverly gets out and then you know she goes outside of the uh, makes it outside of the apartment building and she looks up the apartment building is like condemned and looks like it was burned down dilapidated oh, right. so, yeah. Like, yeah so like everything she saw in there was all uh, just in her head yeah. um uh they do go back to this one like thing it was like a, I don't know like a like a hidden clubhouse cool. underground um, which is where they got Stanley's item, which was like a shower cap that he wore because he was afraid of spiders getting in his hair. Yes. Um, but this is also where we get like the thing where like Ben likes to build. Again, it was only brought up in this movie. The whole Correct. thing of like him liking history was completely thrown out the window. And now Ben likes to build. That's his thing that he is doing. I, it's bizarre that they that they did that. They, again, they reverted back to the original characters in this movie. I don't know why they didn't just why did they just have Ben stay? Like, uh, why didn't yeah. why wasn't they could have literally just switched the characters and it would not have made any difference. It would have made you know more sense in in your mind watching it, but it doesn't make any sense why they would switch back to the originals. But whatever. Um. Yeah. So Ben. Um. Well, sorry. They, they go in the thing where you know they show like you know, Ben built this little clubhouse that they all hung out in. They got Stanley's, you know, spider shower cap. That's his artifact, and they all kind of bonded over that whole thing. Um, ben uh, goes back to the school that they were in, um, and he gets uh, the page of his yearbook that Beverly signed because she was the only one that signed his yearbook at all. Yes. Um, and it was like he his whole thing was like Beverly calling him fat and like you know basically not being interested in him romantically which is i mean true <laughs> i mean she didn't say it like that but it was true yes um so yeah that was his whole like you know fear thing was being rejected for being fat as a child um so then we get uh eddie of course went to the pharmacy and she had a, another run-in with the leper um and his artifact ended up being his old inhaler um I don't know if it was his old one or just a inhaler. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but that was his thing. Uh, is that all of them? Did I forget one? No, that's all. Okay. Yeah. So they all, and he got a, a physical token from the street fire arcade. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So he yeah. went and got a, a token in the, in the, a the old theater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the old theater that he was in, that he had like a weird, flashback of like trying to play with some other kid and then like the other kid accusing him of being gay for wanting to play with him or something i don't know it was a bizarre weird thing but bowers was then you know calling him you know gay because he was like trying to play with this other 
kid, which, his is, which was his cousin. Yeah. I don't know what was happening with that whole scene. It didn't make sense to me, but that was apparently his fear, and that was the token, and then it was over. So His okay. fear was being ousted as being gay. Right. And then there was like, a, he had a scene with Pennywise where Pennywise is like, I know your secret. I know your secret. Yes. Okay. Which is, again, in the book is not mentioned at all. <laughs> Correct. Like in the book, it is, <laughs> it is specifically mentioned that like one um, Richie, you know, talks about all the women that he's been with, which I guess doesn't preclude him from being gay. You know, he could be hiding it or two, he could be bi. I'm not saying not. I'm just saying like he it seems like he was only that in the movie. And that was his secret, which I don't know why you would even need it to be a secret in 2019. Right. <laughs> Um, no, sorry, it's twenty seven. It's two thousand sixteen. <laughs> this movie, oh, whatever. I, I know. I don't. I don't disagree. Yeah, two thousand sixteen. I don't think it was. I don't think you have to hide being gay as a stand up comic. I don't think it would matter. No. Um. But yeah, and then I guess he had a, like a a secret crush on Eddie, which isn't yep. isn't really expanded on. But I guess the kind of his epilogue, I guess, mentions that. Yeah. Um. I guess there is a group of people that did like believe that that was true in the book um i think that's a bit of a stretch <laughs> but i think i think it's just um yeah him and edward people, people trying to have like, something yeah. to to have their representation in there. i i understand that i get that i'm not saying <laughs> that's not true i'm just saying i think that's a bit of a stretch but yeah um so yeah so that's basically it so they all come back with their tokens um and they're now all on board now because now they've all had their own you know run-ins with pennywise so they know he's back they know you know the history of their childhoods and you know all the memories that came up that we didn't see in the first one somehow <laughs> we now see in the second one which you know explains why the characters are the way they are um, so they all decide, okay, now we have all our tokens. Now we have to go do the ritual. Right. So they basically get the bucket and they go down um, to, you know, the, the big scary house. Well, I'm sorry. Well. Before, before this, we get uh, Bowers at, at the sand asylum because he, he gets washed up. We see that, you know, gets washed up. He gets arrested by the cops. He gets put in the sand asylum. And he gets his knife back from Pennywise saying you still have a job to do, essentially. All right. And he gives him back his undead friend yeah. that can drive the car for him because apparently he still can't drive. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And then he goes around. He threatens. Yeah, I think he attacks and stabs Eddie in the face. Yep. Um, then Eddie stabs him back. Um, yeah. He, he, well, he, he attacks and, like, you know, gets in the way several times. He's like a secondary antagonist ultimately doesn't matter at all like like no. by, the, by the time the end comes around he is gone and done right i just wanted to bring you know bring it up because you know it's like said stephen king has a lot like randall flack had his his crony with the guy who was in love with um ah, crabler was her name in the stand oh geez patty was it pat or something like that I don't know, played played by you know Molly Ring, right? Um, right. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, it, the, the the villain always, has, yeah, the 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 villain always has a human crony that's just like pure, just dick. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's usually they have some kind of like weakness or something that the the villain is like feeding into. 
Oh, is uh, Franny, by the way. Franny, there you go. See, I knew it was something <laughs> like Patty. See, I was close. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Close. I just, I just remembered it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, there was yeah the the dude who was he was really smart, but he like had a super crush on her, and she was not interested at all. Right. Yeah. He he was essentially a neck beard. Let's face it. Correct. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, incel, right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, because I, I just had to bring it up because, you know, Bowers does come into play again. Briefly. Yeah. Very briefly. Yeah, like I said, ultimately it doesn't matter. But yes, it should be mentioned because he was in the first one. So, yeah. Um. So... Uh, yeah, so everybody comes back with their tokens, um, and they, they're all like, okay, we gotta go do the ritual thing. So they all go down to, um, you know, the place where they fought Pennywise before, um, again, they're all kind of separated out and they all have their own, um, fights inside the house. Um, they get separated in all kinds of different groups, like, um, Beverly gets like trapped in like, you know that old bathroom stall and it fills with yep. blood like ben gets like you know buried in a grave in the ground because an earthquake no, happens not yeah you know, not before getting like carved again saying home with the h from his stomach right um they see stanley's head become you know essentially the thing yes it was yeah it was like a direct <laughs> rip off of the spider head from the thing Yes. Um, yeah, I would say it. so. It's like they get separated into like two different groups, and they have like two big fights. You know, there's like a scene where like Eddie like gets super scared and refuses to like stab the spider head thing. Yep. Um, you know, because he's too scared, so like you know, Richie gets slobbered all over. But whatever. It's like they all have their interactions with Pennywise again. Right. Uh, um. So yeah. So they, they basically they all have their interactions. They get down to the place where they fought Pennywise before. Um, they again have like another little confrontation and then, uh, they realize that there's more to it. They find like a little like hatch. Um, they go down in this hatch and it's just like a, it's like a rock, <laughs> like a rocky, like tube. I mean, arguably for, you could say that's how Pennywise got to where he, to Dairy Man. He arrived in that thing is why well, yeah, I always he, he, he basically came out of a meteor out of the sky and this, yeah. this rock <laughs> thing in the ground is where the meteor ended up. Right. Um, so yeah, so he, um, they get all the way down to this, like, you know, where the meteor comes in and you see like this weird, like, it looks like a, like a metal splash mark where like the, the meteor is down there. So they all get down yeah. there. They all do the ritual. Um, and it works. They get the, the deadlights into the, the leather bucket thing. Um, but when they go to seal it up, like, you know, one of his iconic red balloons pops out. <laughs> they can't stop it. They can't pop it or nothing. So it eventually just comes out. And then, you know, they have a big, long, drawn out fight with Pennywise again, <laughs> um, where they all get separated and have their own little things again. You know, it's... Again, this happens a lot where they have to, they keep having their own separate fights because Pennywise keeps trying to separate them mentally, right? To like try to pick them out one by one, but again, they still keeps you know getting their together powers overpower him, and so like you know because like one or two of them will will meet up with the other one, and then they have now have enough power to get out of it, um, and uh, you know all that kind of stuff happens anyway. 
they get down, they fight him. Um, Eddie ends up throwing the spear thing at Pennywise, which Beverly told him like it kills monsters. So he like was trying to like use his power of belief that it kills monsters. Um, it did hurt him a lot. Um, and he ends up like stabbing himself on the rocks. Um, but it didn't kill him. He got out. Um, then they were like trying to figure out like, okay, he's too big. He's in this like, weird spider form. Um, we need to get him smaller. So they're like, okay, there's a small spot in the, the crawl to get in here. Like if we go there, like he has to get small to get through. So they were trying to lead him there and he ends up basically just blocking him. Um, so they're like, okay, well, there's more than one way to make him small. We have to just like, you know, not believe that he's big. <laughs> and then they're all like yelling, like clown over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And just way too many times. They say clown like a bazillion times. <laughs> Um, oh, they, they cast vicious mockery. Yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> but they're all like, clown, 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 clown. They just keep saying it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they basically shrink him down to like, um, he looks like the, uh, um, the like the disfigured son of Immortan Joe in Fury Road. <laughs> um, where he like shrinks down and he's like, you know, little, and then they eventually like just like pull out his heart. <laughs> And then they all like together, like squeeze his heart and kill well, it. I guess all of them. Eddie well, is not. So. <laughs> well, Eddie is. Yeah, he got injured, but yeah. Um. So yeah, they all like squeeze his heart, and then he like disappears, and then you know the deadlights dissipate. Um. And then yeah, Eddie does die. They go back to say, "Oh, Eddie, everything's great," and then he dies. Um, then they all go back to the quarry to go swimming and then Richie cries and then they make him cheerful again. Um, and then they're all happy that it's dead. Right. Um, and I don't know. I'll just, yeah. I, I won't even say it now. I'll say it. My, <laughs> I'll say it in my low points later, but um, yeah. So end of movie. <laughs> Well, and Beverly ends up with Ben. Well, that's yeah, that's what I'm not. I'm going to go into all that shit later. <laughs> yeah, can you go into the Breakfast Club ending? No. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, what was your? I mean, second time you've probably seen this, not the first time. No, I, I watched it in the theater the first time. The first time I saw it, I was I was kind of disappointed. Yes. I was like I was like I was very excited. The first one was like very good. I felt it was like a very good setup. You know, like I felt like it really put the ball on the tee. Like you're really just setting it up for, for success in the second one. And again, it was just just bizarre changes that they made that I think just kind of took away from the the, the story itself. Yeah. Um I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it was it was just the weird things that they added and the weird things that they, they spun around um I mean, there's a lot of muddy storylines in there i don't know like i saw it in the theater and i walked out of there like man that was three hours and like that it's one it's way too long <laughs> and two like it's very disappointing for being as long as it is yes um but yeah overall i would say <laughs> just disappointing yeah um and this is i'll get into what i was gonna say i'm like before they start casting everyone right um i go it's been about 27 years since the tv series i go i want everyone who's you know the guy who played bill killed himself early 2000s 
But I'm like, all these people are generally still making things. I'm like, I would love Seth Green to play the adult version of Richie. Uh, you know, I, don't think, I, I think Bill Hader crushed it as Richie. I thought oh, he was well, fantastic. Well, because we didn't know Bill Hader had this the serious horror acting chops. He was always the, just the goofball, the comedian. Um, and this is before Barry and stuff like that, too. Um, like I said, I, I just, in my head, I, I like it would have been perfect, I think, if they brought everyone back that played the kid versions as the adult versions. Um. But that was just that was just my dream casting of it. Um, I mean, aside no, from I, Seth Green, I don't think any of them would be good enough for a big movie like this. I mean the the Ginger Snaps who played Bev, she still does horror movies stuff like that. She probably could have yeah, been good. But she does not do good horror movies. No, no, no. <laughs> so you're not going to take <laughs> no, somebody who does no. like C level horror movies and then throw them into a triple A movie. There's no way. Yeah. Um but no, I I I completely agree that like the adult versions weren't on par with their kid like the kid storylines. And Yeah, and it's it's that's the thing that I noticed is like one individually I thought they did great. Yes. McAvoy by himself, fantastic. Um Bill Hader by himself, fantastic. Jessica Chastain by herself fantastic right they're like great acting the scenes that they had like when they're doing their individual like confrontations fantastic um i think the big problem is when they interact with each other it was like very forced <laughs> right. it was like very like like even like when you're talking like they're at the chinese restaurant like talking to each other it was like it didn't feel right like it wasn't it was very very rough <laughs> Right. I agree. I don't know if that was just a, a purposeful thing because they're just out of it and they're there. But like once they got to know each other, they didn't seem like the same group of people. No, no. Like even when they were trying to like say like, oh, yeah, we're all buddies again. We remember everything. It still felt really forced. Like these people barely know each other. Right. Um, but I mean, it, it's I think Skarsgård, you see him, you know, more without the, the Pennywise garb and stuff like that. I think Skarsgård still did a fantastic job across the board. Yeah, well, I think um, a lot of that where they showed him out of makeup and stuff was like the backdoor pilot for the TV show they're doing. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's, I watched it, I go, okay, this clearly isn't on par, which is a shame because everyone else was the same. The writers, the directors, Skarsgård was all the same, and you know they had to do some reeffects for voices for the kids because it had been a couple of years since they made it. So there was some you know CG work in, in there for the try to be the same age um, as they were before, but yeah, it, it just felt lacking as a story and it should have been the stronger side too. Yeah. And and again, uh, I mean, yeah, I'll get into it in my, <laughs> my, right. my low points and stuff, but yeah, it's just, it, yeah. The things that they changed in the first one, they tried to like give you reasons why they changed them in the second one. And it just ended up being stupid. Yeah. Like they just totally reversed it. Like, I don't understand what the hell they were talking about or why. I mean, specifically with the whole Ben Mike thing, but it's just whatever. Yeah. Uh, let's well let's roll into your highlights though. 
Um, highlights in this is again, I think I think their their performance, their individual performances were great. Right. Um, like I said, yeah, like McAvoy, um, Hater, and and Jessica Chastain, I think specifically are great. You know, like their their standalone performances when they're dealing with Pennywise directly, great, great performances. They're they're great actors. They really showed through there. It's unfortunate that the you know when they're all together, <laughs> they're just not good. Oh yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, do you think? I mean, do you agree that you know Scarsgard was still also a highlight for yeah, you? No. Yeah, I mean, he was still great in this, and and again, it's, um, you know, like there's you know they have a little bit of scenes of him like kind of like a, a background, not a lot, but there, there's you know there's enough like you know background to show that Pennywise was like a real person that existed, right. Um, and again, I think a lot of that's that backdoor pilot for that TV show, which at last I heard is still being made. Coming out next year. Yeah. Or later this year. We'll have to discuss that when it comes out. Yeah. So uh, I, mean, I think that's why they were doing it. But no, I mean, he was still great in it. I mean, he had some yeah. really good scenes, really fun scenes. I think the the ending was way too drawn out. I mean, like, I think he did a good job of it, but there's just there's too much. Yes. Like you could have cut a half hour of that easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you on the highlights. Um, I also add, I thought the adult version of Eddie was a perfect adult version of Eddie. I yeah. felt like he was Eddie. Yeah. No, yeah, it was yeah, outstanding. Like I said, I mean, overall, I think that I think Ben is probably the weakest one. Yeah. But it's fair because I thought he was the weakest child actor too. <laughs> so, like as an adult, I see it to see him as the weak character really didn't change much for me. Um, but yeah, it's again they like they had to like force in the back door of like, oh look, he liked to build this clubhouse underground, so that's why he's an architect. Like, why did you have to build this in? Why, why wouldn't you just keep him as the the librarian character? Then you don't have to make up anything at all. Yeah, I mean, let's let's continue into these low points then. Um, yeah. But it, you know, do you have other? I know you have the other low point, right? I have a few. Yeah, if you want. To. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one is I know this is in both movies, but I'm specifically going to say it in this movie because they do it all the time. What is with them throwing their bikes on the ground? Like, I mean, okay, when I was a kid, I had a bike. That thing was like gold, man. Like. That thing got me from point A to point B. Like I would never throw it on the ground. I would always oh, put the kickstand up. Your chain would break so much. I know. I was like, you always <laughs> put the kickstand up. You always like put it up near a wall or something to make sure it's got some protection. These kids just like literally throw their bikes in the middle of the street and they do it all the time. They're like, they're yes. riding bikes. They stop, throw the bike on the ground. Like just leave it in the middle of the street. Like it's going to get run over, man. Yep. But, like they constantly do it. And like, in both of these movies, what I'd say, especially in two, these kids yes. just have no respect for these bikes. <laughs> they don't especially, deserve these bikes at all. Especially when Bill goes back to Stephen King's pawn shop right. and gets his, his literally his old bike and it's rusty and he still just throws it everywhere. Right, and he still gets to places and then throws it on the ground. Like, dude, <laughs> like, at least lean it up against something. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about the how their, their camaraderie is forced between the adults, yes. you know, it's, it's just, it doesn't feel natural at all. Again, no. individually, they're great when they're together and they're interacting. Not so great. 
Um, and the other thing I really, really hate what they did with Bev's character. I really, really hate, they took away like all, like in the first one, she was like, you know, she was probably the bravest of them. Yes. Right. Like she was the one who like stabbed Pennywise at the end. Like she was the one who jumped off the quarry first. Right. She was, she was the bravest of them. She was, you know, the, the strong, probably the strongest one. Right. Yes. And in this one, they took all that away. It's gone. All she does, every freaking scene, when something bad happens, she just stands there and screams. Yep. That's it. I mean, when she's in her own, like, little, you know, confrontation with Pennywise, again, she did great. I specifically mentioned her as, as doing a great job. And she did, you know, showed her strength and did well there. But when she's with everybody else, her role is to just be the woman that screams. Yep. Like, literally, everybody else gets attacked. Ah! Like, that's it. Like, okay, you guys have already seen this shit. Like, why is she the only one screaming? Why is like, she's been through some shit. She should be okay with a lot of this stuff. She should not be like the victim and, you know, just the damsel in distress. She's past that. She wasn't that in the first movie. Why is she that now? Right. This really bothered me that they just like stripped her strength away like that. Like this, that was just a a huge thing Two, like she just bounces back and forth for being a love interest with everybody. I mean, literally, yeah. like in the first movie, it's like, oh, it's it's Bill, and then it's like Ben, and then it's Bill again, and then the second one, it's like, oh, she like just jumps back in with Bill, even though Bill has a wife, <laughs> who they, there was never anything wrong with the wife. I mean, in the book, there was a whole separate um, subplot with yes. with with his wife and and her husband specifically. Um, I mean, her husband was an asshole in the book, too. But in the in the movie, he literally just is an asshole. And then she leaves him and then he never shows up again. Like, I understand how she's ready to move on. But like, she literally just got out of a bad, bad relationship. And she's already, you know, ready to just jump in with Bill. And Bill just like completely forgets about his wife, apparently. Doesn't even think about her. Um, And then she goes to Ben. Right. And then she goes back to Bill. Then she goes back to Ben. <laughs> she goes back to Bill. And then eventually at the end, she goes back to Ben again. Like, oh, Ben, you're the one that wrote the poem. Like, you fucking knew that. Like, at least three other times before that. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. But again, I just, I really don't like what they did with Bev's character. Like, she, again, the only time she, that I like her is when she has her individual confrontations with Pennywise. Other than that, she just sucks. <laughs> She just sucks. And it's not her fault. It's the, the writers, the people who put this thing together just made her this generic victim slash love interest character. And it's got like, they just put an adapter on her and they just like fit her in wherever they needed her to fit in. And it was, it just, I think it was, you know, does not do justice to her character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with all of that, and well, we'll throw in there the the I call it the Breakfast Club ending, where they're reading the letters from from Stan, mm-hmm. uh, and like it's like their individual voices as kids, as adults, um, and Stan explained why he did what he did. That he realized that he is the weak link, that he would be the downfall of the Losers Club, um. Yeah, and I don't, I don't recall that from the book at all. No, in the book, he literally just kills himself, writes it on the wall with blood. Stanley exits the story. Like that's right. it. That's it. Like he is just out. He's not there as an adult at all. No explanation is given. 
Right. Um, but I mean, I, they I, see it on the wall in blood, and they know exactly what what that means. Like he's yep. too scared; he to, will not go back. Right. And and Bowers. I mean, I don't think we need to go in as depth with his character, but even the second one, he's just like, "Hey, stab, stab, I'm dead." <laughs> right. I mean, again, it was like I didn't. I don't even want to like mention him because he's just so pointless. Like he's not even like a secondary antagonist. He's just like a an annoyance. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll agree with all the other low points too. Um. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with you. How many monsters in the dark out of ten would you give the it chapter two? Um. This one I'm going to knock it down to uh six. Six monsters in the dark out of ten. Yeah, it, it's I'm I'm agreeing with the one point five. Oh, no, 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 I'm going down to a seven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm two down for sure. Um, Scar, like I said, Scarsgard killed it as always, but everything else. It, I mean, not everything else, but the the group dynamic and the changes really knocked it down a lot. Yeah, again, it's not a bad movie. It's just like one, it's too long. Two, the the chemistry is not good enough for it to be that long. <laughs> right. And three, it's like they they did a lot of goofy changes for no reason that really takes away from the characters that I don't understand. You know, again, the whole Ben Mike thing, the whole Beverly thing. It's I mean, there's just a whole lot of dumb <laughs> stuff that takes away from it. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, that being said, uh, so this is a spoiler warning again for the final time for the Boogeyman. Um, we're both going to we're going to tag team this. We both saw this at time recording uh, a couple of days ago, um, and I'll just give the brief synopsis of the short story that's twelve pages. Uh, Lester Billings goes in to see a therapist. Talks about. Um, that his three kids are dead uh, because of the boogeyman. Um, he kind of goes in details, and you know he does say the line of, "I can't go to a priest because I'm not Catholic. I can't go to the lawyer because I commit no crimes. Um, so all I have is you." He just talks about like how he can't. He didn't believe his kids that there's something in the closet. He, you know, thought they're saying claws instead of closet. Uh, and he's reporting all of this to his therapist and just kind of going to this. Like, this takes place, I think the story's written in 1980. Um, and it was, uh, the guy was pretty, he said he was like 35 or something like that, but looks just drastically old. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll say this, the twist now Um is he's very concerned that the therapist has a closet. He opens it up and says, hey, it's just, you know, rain boots, uh, a, a slicker, and a newspaper. Um, and the twist ending in the story is he comes back and realizes that there's no receptionist, that there's no one ever really there. And it was the boogeyman holding the face as a mask of the, the Charles Dr. Charles Harper um, as a therapist. End of story. 
Uh, and I, I was thinking about this a bit because the movie does have Lester Billings played by Polka Dot Man uh, in it. And it, it the, the, the short story almost acts more of a prequel to this movie than anything else, I would say. This is kind of shoehorned briefly into the movie. Um, and we'll discuss the ending of this movie when we get to it. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's get into the movie itself though. Um, we are introduced to, yeah, I don't remember their names because they weren't characters in the book. It's a short story. Uh, we are introduced to, we are introduced to, to the therapist, Charles Harper and his two daughters. Um, one played by Sophia, whatever her Sophie last name Thatcher. is, yes. Sophie Thatcher from Nat from Yellow Jackets, <laughs> also from the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> yes, she did ride her Power Rangers slow speed moped and hey, was part she had, of her she had robot arms. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um. So yeah, so we were introduced that their mother had died, but well, I think it's a month prior. Yeah. Um, and they're just going back to school the first time the dad sees patients in his house, which seems to be common in horror things. I don't know how common that actually is. Um, I mean I guess it depends <laughs> on how nice of a house you have and, and if you have children there or not. But um yeah, I mean it's it 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 happens, I guess. I mean I think it's it's easier to film. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, maybe it happens more often, but I mean, yeah, it's definitely a thing that happens in the real world too. Yeah, and we're in, like I said, his you know his daughter, his oldest daughter, clearly loves the mom stuff and is wearing it and goes into the closet, you know, and picks out her mom mom's dress from the studio. Um, the okay, so she is Sadie. I'm just looking at this because I had to remember. Uh, Sawyer is the do- youngest daughter. Um, she is clearly afraid of the dark because she has at least eight lamps on in her bedroom. Oh, and she's also and, holding on to like a light up moon. Correct. Which is like a, it looks it's like a ball, but it's a moon yes. and it's a light. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, and you know, they're going back to the day of school and kind of just like, you know, uh, Sadie is getting back to knowing her friends, and they were treating her like a pariah, essentially. I would say, um, and, you know, she just puts earbuds on so she wouldn't have to listen to everyone's condolences and sorries that she's sick of it, doesn't want to hear it. Um, all that's going on there. So, you know, you know, the dad does the monster check and is you know trying to figure things out with his daughters in trying to do things that his wife would do. And, you know, they're like, okay, you're not essentially saying you're not mom, um, but you never discuss it. He's clearly hiding feelings and not discussing with his kids. And he, maybe he should be seeing the therapist as well, um, which they are the, the, his daughters are. Um, but yeah, meanwhile- basically anytime the daughters try to like have a meaningful conversation with him about, What's going yeah. on? He just says, "Oh yeah, talk to your therapist about that." Bye. Right, right. Your therapist, yeah. Which I don't necessarily, t- you know, 
disagrees, but should they discuss it together? Absolutely. Um, with another therapist. He shouldn't be the therapist in that situation. I would, I would say. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Mean, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Lester from the short story uh, appears and essentially says all the same things from the book. Um, and while this is going, he's like, you know, the doctor's like, uh, the, the dad's like, I need to go to the bathroom and calls it like, oh, this guy, you know, said he killed his kids he's mentally unwell um he kind of gets a drawing from the notebook that he doesn't we don't see which is surprising that we don't see it um i thought we were going to at this point in the film if we saw that picture we'd be like okay it's a lame kid's picture of a monster Um, at at this point it doesn't matter later on when you have a visual representation to match it against then you get the confirmation of oh yeah it's the same thing if we had already yeah. seen the picture, I don't think it would have hit as hard. Yeah. Um, so anyway, while he's doing that, Lester kind of slips away, and we find out, you know, the Sadie went back to school. Her lunch is clearly rotten. It's not. Uh, it's not rotten. It's just not packed well because I'm guessing the mom probably made the lunches. So he yeah. has like it, it looks like he just took a bunch of yogurt and put it in like a sandwich bag. I assumed is leftover from the from last time they're in school. She mm. smelled it and had the weird face on, so maybe he just was well, bad. I think, at... I think she looked at it and it just looked gross. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he would give them rotten food. Okay. I think I think it would just yeah. Again, he just didn't know how to pack it or didn't know what was going in there, and because he's not communicating effectively about what's going on, I'm sure he didn't <laughs> ask. He just packed up what he thought was a good lunch, and it looked like he put. Like a bunch of yogurt in a bag or something, whatever. But yeah, Use yogurt in a plastic bag. Yeah. So like, of course, <laughs> if you put any pressure on yogurt in a plastic bag, it's going to squirt its contents everywhere, which is exactly what happens. Yeah. Um. So she comes home. She's very distraught. She's just trying to get with her friend who moved on to new friends after a month. Um. Well, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that was happening before then. Like later yeah. on, she says, "Like, yo, what was the last time we even hung out?" And she's like, "Oh, at the funeral." And it's like, "Yeah, that doesn't count," <laughs> which is fair. But so, like, it, even like she couldn't even remember the last time they hung out before then. So it was obviously before that. Yeah, but anyway, say he comes home to wash the the dress, and she hears big old commotions as Lester's kind of moving around the house, and she finds him hanging in the closet of the mom's studio. Well, yeah, she hears him. <laughs> talking yeah Yeah. arguing with something and then struggling with something banging around a whole lot and then when she finally opens the door he's hanging there dead so it was like it's highly unlikely that he was like fighting with himself but i guess it's like you know not out of the question that a crazy person would argue with themselves before they killed themselves but yeah um so yeah so then the police come up uh somehow the yeah, the daughter rode the bus home, which is usually, I'd, I'd say, pretty un- unusual for someone to get driven to school and then take the bus home. I don't know. Usually, bus drivers like to have the kids both ways. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, but he was wor- he was supposed to be working. Yeah. So if, if, if he can drop him off in the morning because he's not working then, but then if he's working in the afternoon, I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? Um... So yeah, so then you know, obviously, you know, the, the 
daughter's like, okay, now we had the mom died and a die, guy died in our house. We should talk to him. He's like, no. <laughs> nope. Go talk to your therapist. I right. don't want to hear about it. Yep. Um, I think it's just this is a point in time now that like Sadie starts seeing this weird veiny tree branch like mold starting to be in their house. Like underneath where Lester killed himself, I believe, like what, in the kitchen or dining room? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, in, in the room that used to be like her mom's room and the closet yeah. and yeah, just around all over the place. And this is also when the daughter is starting to actually see something come out of the closet and like go under her bed and shit. Like something is like physically present there now. We're not we're not getting a clear picture of what it is, but something is definitely there. Right. And this is where we get the trailer shown where she rolls the moon under the bed and she sees a creature start coming after her. Um and she screams and you know, kind of just taking you know, her sister takes care of her a little bit because the dad just dad just kind of just just appears for a bit of the movie. Well, I'm guessing dad is at the level of he has to take sleeping pills to sleep. That, so it has to be that because yeah, there's a lot of screaming out. going on in the house that no one comes out to investigate. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because yeah, based on his reaction to when at night when they're sleeping, I'm guessing yeah. he's on like heavy sleeping pills to be able to sleep. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just kind of continues, and I think even Sadie starts to see stuff here and there, like I said, with with all that stuff. Um, well, she's yeah, she's more hearing things, like she's hearing um, her like her mom's voice, or Laura Lure, yeah, yeah stuff <laughs> like that, and and she's like seeing her mom's like dress where it's like it looks like her, you know, it looks like her mom is there, but when she turns the light on, it's just a dress, but like it's very clearly there was something there. Um, yeah, but yeah, we're, we're basically we're seeing that whatever this thing is, it can like mimic voices, right? Because we hear like heavy wheezing as it tries to like practice its voice, right? Um, yeah, that that's except that she's singing the the tour Lurelai song, which is very odd, I think, especially for this time period that we're in, like present day for. Most people know that song. I don't know that song. Well, yeah, at the, whatever. They just picked some song that was probably the cheapest one. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't have to spend money on, you know, on big money on licensing. That's why they picked yeah. some random song. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think Sadie then starts to do a little bit of investigation. She wants to know, you know, all this stuff. She, she goes into her dad's, um, office and is able to listen to the tape recording, listen to uh, Lester's talking. She finds a notepad underneath his desk and starts like sketching it, you know, the old, hey, I'm going to rub the pencil over the piece of paper and the creature will be there. Um, and it's clearly the mind flayer from Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, well, I think basically she, because she was denying this whole thing, even when she had like direct experiences she was still denying it being like no 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 it's you know we're just like traumatized or whatever i mean she was just kind of dismissing her sister little sister being afraid like yeah she was comforting her but she was also kind of like come on relax like i know there's dramatic stuff happening but you need to stop but her her belief in it happens when all her friends decide to like come over one night 
Right. Um, and they take her to her mom's old room and they like, you know, when she goes in there, you know, they, Oh, let's go see the closet where the guy killed himself. And so they go in there and then they like close the door on her and it's all dark in there. And she has a, a, like a direct experience with it. Like there's right. no like denying what she saw. Like this is, this is now something here. She didn't get a good look at it, but she knew something was there. And right. That's when and she started looking further into it. And that's when she finds that drawing and she shows the little girl because the little girl has seen it better than she has. And she's like, yeah, that's it. Right. Um, but yeah, she goes to uh, the Billings house. Uh, it seems dilapidated. Murderers right now. And they're all like a whole bunch of contraptions of like, lack of better word, ghost hunting equipment. <laughs> Pointing at the closets like, you know, a closet door being opened, being triggered to take a Polaroid. Uh, she looks at the Polaroid and sees someone behind her and it's Lester's wife who is clearly not well, um, has, I would say, a thousand candles in the house at least. Yeah, you can imagine how hard that would be to keep all those lit. <laughs> You're right. Um, so, yeah, she she's going through. She's like, hey, this is what happened. This is true. It's, oh, and she sees that, you know, the mold and veiny tree ranch mold all over the house. And she goes, yeah, uh, what did Lester do? Oh, yeah, he brought it to your house now, so uh, that sucks. Stay alive. See ya. <laughs> right, yeah. Not my problem. Right. He's like, I got my own problems. But yeah, then, you know, they get, there's another, uh, you know, attack at the house where, like I said, I was trying to figure out the video game that Sawyer was playing that, um, you know, after the the girl's there, that she gets attacked and viciously thrown to the TV to the point where she has like a huge ass lump on her head. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I should mention before this that you know during the "Are You Afraid of the Dark" type things, they see the the therapist who's like, "Okay, I'm throwing this blinking red light, and it's slowly going to get into the dark." So you, you realize there's nothing to fear, and you know instances were there, but this is before. Uh, Sadie believed her. Um, so anyway, you know, she's back. You know, the Sawyer is in the hospital being taken care of. Um, and Sadie confronts her dad. He's like, oh, this is the room where your mother was taken. And they're talking about like, hey, you know, all this stuff is true. He's like, Were you, are you high? I smelled pot on you. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, no, she clearly didn't take enough, smoke enough pot to be high. Uh, but she's like, no, you're wrong. I have to end this. You don't believe me. You need to stay here. And she just kind of goes back to the house. Um, and she's talking to Lester's wife. He, she's like, there's contact by Lester's wife. It's like, hey, I know how to kill it. I know how to stop it. Um, she goes there, meets her. She's like, all we got to do is this. And like, handcuffs or zip ties her to the wall. She's like, all right, you're be the bait. I have this trap that's usually used for scaring off bears, but there's live ammunition in this. And let's turn off all the lights. Um, and the creature does come. We get a really not clear picture, but more of the creature is being seen. And, you know, it's shot and seems to be dead, but it is bleeding. 
Um, and then Lester's wife is like, okay, I need to finish this off. Like, yeah, it's dead. And no, she gets really savagely what, torn in half. What do you say? Yeah. So one of the things that annoys me is like, she's been lighting candles in this hallway for how long? Right. Right. Like this thing, like, again, all the notes on the wall and all the talking and stuff, this thing has clearly been in her house for a long time. Yes. Um, and when it walked towards her, it just, the candles just go out Yep. when it's anywhere near it. So like it develops in darkness. Yeah, why would light. she have not understood that these candles are completely useless before this point? Why would she bother lighting candles knowing that they can just blow them out like that? Right. Like what kind of a, like a, what a huge waste of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the important part of this is that Sadie realizes that it does bleed, you know, and it can be hurt or at least killed potentially. Um, meanwhile, by the way, we should also mention that she talked to her therapist about, you know, what happens after death. And, you know, she's telling her, Lights gets the, her mom's lighter that she used for pot. It's like, all right, move the flame to the left if you hear. Okay, to be fair, that wasn't from her therapist. That was some YouTube video that she found. Well, I'm saying she asked the therapist about afterlife stuff, and so she looked up the video on YouTube well, of how to test it. The therapist did not tell her right. about that. It was some YouTube shit. Yeah, if she concentrated hard enough that she would be able to feel her mom's presence. Right. Um. Like I said, I have to say that because it comes into play later. <laughs> um, she realizes that her dad and sister are home. She's like, okay, you have to get out. It's there. they about to turn around, and nope, they get dragged back into the house, and we don't see them again until uh, Sadie comes back, goes in the house, and she sees blinking lights uh, coming out of the closet, and you know somehow during all of this, Sawyer was able to get an extension cord to plug in the Christmas lights that are constantly blinking, which have, in my opinion, the loudest blink possible when changing light colors. Yeah, but but yeah, of course, did not hit any other light switches in the house on her way doing any of that. Correct. And the dad is in the basement. So like, okay, we're going to go there and, and go save dad. Um, You know, they kind of find him and like like how how would you describe how it's feeding on him just like drawing out his essence yeah i guess so it does yeah it does like a whole like i guess shang sung like soul sucking thing right which okay i i sorry i should have prefaced the beginning of this movie is a toddler in a crib and in the book uh the neck gets snapped and they said that the the kid died from SIDS when there's you know back broken and blood everywhere that's, yeah, that's not like, that's oh not yeah it. died from SIDS when they very clearly showed blood splattering on the wall that's not how SIDS yeah, works like, uh, that's, SIDS is not like a s- explosion <laughs> right um so anyway they start kind of battling uh, the boogeyman uh it starts feeding off of her essence, and then she gets uh, Sadie stabs it. Um, and they're like trying to use the lighter and a aerosol can to help kind of set it on fire, kill it by light. Um, but 
she runs out of aerosol or hairspray, whatever that was. Um, and then like, okay. And then just starts soaking it in uh paint thinner. And it's like, holds up the flames like, aha. And then the flame moves to the left and lights the creature on fire. <laughs> yeah. Implying that the mother is there in some supernatural element. Uh, the house burns down. Um, they all have a meeting with the other therapist discussing everything, that everything is be a happy family. Uh, she goes back in there and the closets open a little bit uh, and she closes it and the movie. Well, she goes back in there because the therapist says, oh, can you wait for one second? I want to talk to you about something. Right. And so then she goes back in there, sees that the closet's open and closes it. And the therapist comes out like, uh, can I help you with something? So like, it yeah. obviously was not the therapist that said it. Right. Implying that the bogeyman is still around. Yeah, but not as explicit in the book. In the book, no, it's uh, yeah, it's it's not as bad of an ending as the book. Um, well, like I said, we'll get into that. So, uh, I'll just get into the first thoughts of this because this isn't a rewatch because we just seen it once. Um, I know I'm going to watch it again when it comes to streaming with the wife. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I haven't determined if I'm going to watch it again at this point. Um, it's it, To me, it is, you know, they, they said they went through some rewrites uh, and some uh, scene changes. And it was brought down to a PG-13 movie. And I think it's a very apparent PG-13 movie. Um, and you know, the more I think about it is they could have done more like the story of the book. I think it would have been better if they stuck to the story and expanded with, with Lester Billing and his three kids instead of focusing on the therapist in, in the movie. Uh, and it's just, it, it just seemed like a, I want to say generic uh, Monster in the Dark movie. What about you? Yeah, I'd say mediocre. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's a very mediocre, it's a very generic, very typical, just, you know, goofy horror movie. There's nothing special about it. It's like there's nothing all that interesting happening. Um, it's like, it's like a bunch of different horror movie, like cliches, just kind of all wrapped up into one story. It's like, yes, barely an, 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 an original story. Yes. Uh, and I, I think it suffers for that. Um, I, I, I don't see any reason why they couldn't have adapted, like I said, the story at all, but you know, it, the, the creature looked like a mix of, Oh, I would say Antlers and Barbarian, or even Smile. I don't know, how, and and the Mind Flayer from Stranger Things. Yeah, or yeah, like Slender Man in there probably too. Yeah, um, I know. I feel like this would have been. I I think the, the they should have gone with the less is more approach to the creature to the boogeyman itself. Um, they, I mean, they did a pretty good job with not showing you what it looked like really. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, even, even up until you see the picture that the kid drew, like you still haven't seen it at that point. I mean, I don't think you see it until at least like two thirds of the way through the movie. And even then it's just pieces of it. You don't get to see like the whole thing until the very end. I mean, I think it's yeah. faithful, at least in a creature respect. Right. Um, yeah. Do you have any other first thoughts on it other than just being like a, this this yeah, almost no. went to our PG thirteen Y category. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a very generic, you know, boring level <laughs> horror movie. There, yeah, there, like I said, there's nothing special about it. I can't recommend it to, <laughs> to, to watch. It's just there's nothing going on. Um, I have a strong feeling this is going to be a, one of our bottom fives for twenty twenty three list when we do it at the end of this year. Uh, uh, I mean, it's possible. It depends on how many terrible movies you make me watch. <laughs> um, let's just go into our highlights for this movie. Um, the acting wasn't bad by the main family. The friends were. Uh, um, I'd say I'd, I'd say it was passable. I mean, I think Sophie Thatcher did a good job. Yeah, um, I do like her a lot. Um, everybody else was just kind of there i mean yeah they did their job i wouldn't say i wouldn't say anybody was bad right um yeah and you know atmospherically it's okay um like but it's it's just so reliant on jump scares and honestly the trailer gave away most of them Uh, i don't know yeah jump scares don't really affect me (laughs) anymore it's right. more like I, things in the dark will scare me, but jump scares well. Yeah, and and this is I've said this before in other places too. It's just like jump scares isn't horror. You can you can build a great atmospheric movie and not have to rely on jump scares all the time. And this is very reliant on them. Um. But yeah, let's kind of go into our, our low points. As I don't think, unless you have any other highlights. <laughs> um, I did. I did like the creature's design. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought it looked pretty cool. It, it like if, if you looked at how its mouth was, is that there was actually like instead of having a tongue, it had like two arms that would like yes. come out and grab things. But like when it like retracted in, the fingers like acted kind of like the teeth in its skull. Yes. I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, I thought it was, you know, fun looking, interesting in the way that it worked. So I, I, the effects of the creature I actually liked. Um, and yeah, I mean, other than, yeah, I thought Sophie Thatcher did a good job. But yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. Let's get into these low points because there's a few. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, number one is the mom ghost. <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's so generic. I mean, it's, how lame is that, you know? <laughs> I mean, but it's not, not only is it lame, but like one, we never even met the mom. Correct. We never even saw the mom. Like at least with this kind of movie, like you might have like an opening scene where like the mom is like a good mom or something like to show that they cared for these children. Now we don't even know if the mom was a good mom or not. Well, she we sang, no idea. she sang the song to her on the videotape. And to and that a was baby. It. Of course right. she's going to sing a song to a baby. We don't know what she was like for the other 10 years. Right. You know what I mean? Like, she could have been fucking terrible. We don't know if she's a good mom or not. So, like, her being obsessed with her mom's ghost, like, who gives a shit? We don't know this person. Why do we care? 
Right. Like I get that you're obsessed with your mom, but like we don't know if she's a good person or not. <laughs> like why do we care? <laughs> well, I think they had that shoe uh, it felt like very shoehorned in. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, like we were talking about before, that, that's probably what they rewrote is they gave it yeah. a lighter, more upbeat ending with the whole mom ghost bullshit. And I think it would have been better with, you know, the the with with Sadie being a strong woman versus relying on the flame going left. Like they were clearly handling themselves with the with the boogeyman and they could have continued with that without any extra ghost related things. <laughs> right. You know, and I think that, I think that really hindered the movie. Okay. Well, then it, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things <laughs> that I think are really dumb. One is, okay. If you're the boogeyman, right. Yep. Um, and you latch on to like broken people and then like go back to their house to like kill their whole family. Yes. Um, what more perfect place could you have to have a nest or home base than a psychologist who works out of his home? Yeah. Why would you ever kill the psychologist? It's literally like you have a feeding ground. All of these people coming in trying to get help are all broken people that you can easily go take over. Yes. And then once you're done killing that family, you come back. I mean, yep. yeah, eventually he's probably going to be out of work because all of his people die. But I mean, at least for a while, you would have a feeding ground. Like it's obviously intelligent, right? It obviously understands language and, and stuff like that. Like it should understand that this is stupid to kill these people. You should use them as a feeding ground. Yes. Um. Two, they are very, very, very selective with how its teleportation works. Okay, because like it seems like it can teleport between any dark space. Right? I mean it's teleporting between houses. It's teleporting into the te the therapist's office. I mean yes. it can teleport everywhere. Anywhere that there's a dark area next to someone that it's trying to kill, right? Um will be like at the end of the movie all of a sudden it can't anymore. Like it's it's being attacked. It's clearly the tables are turning on it. The whole basement is dark and it chooses to like try to fight them head on for no other reason other than to let them win. Well, you'd even argue that the teleportation has to happen in a closet because that seems to be it's at point of entry. So why go to your point? Why go into the basement where there's no closet it has no escape plan? Well, it's not <laughs> it's not just the closet. There's multiple times in the movie where it's just a dark area. Yeah, that's like true. When she's playing a video game, she's in a living room. It just pops up behind her because it's dark because she doesn't turn a light on in the room, even though she's already been attacked by this thing once. So she uses the light of the PlayStation. Like, what if there's a cut scene and it cuts to black? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Now there's no light at all. Why would you not turn a light on in the room? Anyway, but but I'm saying like, you know, when she was in the basement before it made an appearance. Okay, when yes. she was in that other house and it came out, it just came out of the dark area in the hallway. It didn't come out of a closet. So it's not specifically in a closet. It's from another dark area. When they were in the therapist's office, it just appeared on the ceiling yeah. because it was dark. It doesn't need to be in a closet. It just needs to be in a dark area. And it can apparently teleport between them because these places are not near each other and there would be lights between there. <laughs> they would not be able to like, you know, ride on the back of the car or something. 
um, so it can clearly teleport. And then at the end, when they're like, uh, things are definitely turning against it. Okay, like you could easily like, okay, just I'm just gonna out, right? I'm just gonna jump out, jump back in the dark, and go find somebody else. It decides to fight them head on for no reason. Correct. Just very stupid. <laughs> Because you know, this thing has apparently been living for like millennia or whatever. Since the dawn of man. Yeah, since the dawn of man. But yeah, no one has ever lit it on fire before. I highly doubt that. Well, they explained in the movie like, oh, man created fire to stop it. They, right. That was like a line in the movie. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> so how would, how did no one else ever catch it on fire? Right. Like in the thousands of millions of years... <laughs> Or not millions, I guess it'd be tens of thousands of years. No one has lit the thing on fire. Come on. Right. Any other little points from you? Uh, I mean, yeah, but they're none worth mentioning. <laughs> uh, to to go off of you with, with, with uh, Sawyer playing a video game, yes. You are clearly afraid of the dark. Your room is clearly a light haven. Yet everyone keeps playing themselves into the dark constantly right well like that house it's like they don't have any lights in the hallway at all none none yeah it's like oh well you know they're trying to say oh it's an old house it doesn't matter old houses have lights in the hallway <laughs> if there's yep. no lights in the hallway put it around a freaking lamp yes you got like dressers and bookshelves in the hallway put a fucking lamp on top of it yeah and hey i'm gonna use the light of the refrigerator well, okay. Well, you could have turned the light on. I understand it's middle of the night, but clearly your dad's on something. Right. <laughs> you don't have to be sneaky through the house. Um, yeah, they, they, they keep putting themselves into the dark situations knowing that something's there. Absurd. Um, uh, and... You know, the, the point I thought that maybe they're trying to get with the clauses because, you know, they're always talking about like, oh, you know, every time something happened with the boogeyman is the closet was slightly open. So I think that was the idea with the ending scene with the closet being slightly open, which they don't really get into as they should, because that's kind of like the established lore from the, the short story. Well, um, and again, but they don't even follow that because there's several correct. times where the door is closed and it opens it. Yes. Like multiple times, so it's well, not even like that. leaving it open is the is the invitation of it in. It's like it doesn't matter if you even close your closet; it's just going to kick it open, right? Which it did. But I'm saying like that's its way of getting out is it goes back through the closet, but doesn't close the door all the way when it comes when it, when it's done with its victims. Um, and I think honestly they should have kept in a more outright um, thing like this. They should have, she should have seen the therapist, her therapist be the boogeyman without a maybe subtle nod to a potential future. It should have been a worse ending than what it was. Because we like bad endings. Well, I mean, yeah, with this level of movie, you're not going to get a good bad ending. <laughs> right. And I think I think that's why, well, especially with I don't think most PG thirteen horror movies have bad bad. Endings. It has to end on to the lighter note, and I feel like the ending was changed for audiences. 
Yeah, like you can, you can leave it open to like you know leave it open for a sequel. You can do that, but you can't have a bad ending where like everybody dies. Right, and I think I I I really feel like that's what part of the rewrites was as well. Is people needed to feel happy at the end, and it felt like just a studio interference with it. Yeah, that well, probably what it was is some studio guy was like. The Boogeyman, okay? The Boogeyman, that's like a little kid scary movie. We should make it right. more like a kid-friendly movie. Right. That's basically what it felt like. Yes. And like I said, there are some good PG-13 horror movies, but like it, it felt tamed. It felt watered down. It felt very studio-interfered to me for all that. Um, and that that's that's kind of like my biggest complaint with it is is that like you can almost feel that part of it. Yeah, whenever whenever you get a lot of studio interference, things end up being bland and uninspired and just <laughs> mediocre. And that that yeah, that's that is this movie. Yes, which is a shame. Mm. Which is a shame. It, it really really is that like it, it's. You know, you know, it's not like his other short stories where we have like 15 children of the corns. It, this could have been a one and done. Um, and I think it should be, <laughs> honestly. But there's so much more stuff that you could have drawn on and made it a an R-rated movie. Because I'm not that I want to see kids getting killed on screen or babies. I'm not saying that. But it could have been so much more than what the, the, there's more potential to the story that really was not executed well enough. Um, that all being said, let's get into our number of monsters in the dark out of 10. Um, have it been only the first one first watch? And I said, I probably will watch it again with, with the wife. Um, but as of this, that point in time though i'm probably going down to i don't know a uh, 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 3.5 out of monsters in the dark out of 10 how about you yeah i'm close to that i would say a three monsters in the dark out of 10 just very boring very generic very uninspired <laughs> right and it uh, it it really felt like it's going to just kind of fade fade into the ether like it's not going to be something that people talk about I feel right. It will, it will get lost into the, to the list of horror movies, unfortunately. But that's, that's probably where it will stay. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe in 10 years we can get a good remake of it. Who knows? Um, and if we're doing our podcast by then still too, we'll, we'll go back and reuse the, the remakes, but yeah, it's just, this goes into the P13Y category for me, as I said before. Um, I guess it's good for, I don't know, it's not even scary. For, like, if I saw this when I was 13, I'd be like, okay, this is boring. <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah, I think the movie's just boring in general. I don't think it matters how old you are. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was, I was disappointed with it to say the least yeah it's fair from all from all the hype that was there 
like it, I felt like it has it had as much hype as uh but Barbarian did as Smile did and you know Smile didn't have a good ending Barbarian did but Smile didn't and it felt like more authentic horror to me those movies did no, I, I didn't see it. I mean, I remember the, the trailer dropping, but I didn't see any hype for this at all. It is one of those that, it, the, like, the, the, the stupid hype for this show, like, the audience reactions to it, like, people screaming and stuff like that. Uh, uh, maybe just because we're jaded, but I'm like, I don't think this is... I don't even think the jump scares were that noteworthy because predictable completely, I think you're able to see what was going to happen and when. Mm. So, all right. Well, I think that's about wraps up this episode. Do you have anything else to add? Nope. All right. So from one boogeyman remake to another, reject the devil as free from hell, go to the house of thousand corpses. Uh, so yeah, we'll be going into a director spotlight with Rob zombies, firefly trilogy next week. Um, I'm excited. We discussed this a little bit before the episode. We've, oh, we've seen, I've seen House of Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects quite a few number of times. Um, and Three from Hell, I'm I'm excited to rewatch this because we watched it together when it came out, uh, well before the podcast, and we haven't visited since. Um, then say at least it's a confusing mess, but we'll 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 get there next week with it. Um. So yeah, it, it's arguably, in in my opinion, two of these movies are Rob Zombie's finest works that he's made to date. Um, we'll get into that next time. Uh, so until then, uh, remember, we watch bad movies, so you don't have to. And this is Graveyard saying, have you checked in the children? As the Salem said, long live the new flesh. Good night. Good night.